0: Hey guys, this is Ian. Uh, Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to put this in the front that we recorded this previews episode of CGS last week before news came down that uh, Diamond was going to be halting distribution of their comic books to stores effective April 1st. Uh, So any books that were slated to go on sale uh, April 1st or later will not be shipped to retailers at this time. Uh, Any retailers in the UK are already feeling this as uh, they didn't receive this week's books. I'm recording this on March 25th, and uh, anything for an on-sale date of March 25th or later uh, is not appearing in UK shops at all, and I assume that uh, is also the same for uh, anywhere else in the world that Diamond would have been shipping to. Uh, their Alliance Games distributions has been shut down as well, and anything that remains in the warehouse—that uh, means uh, any you know back issues or uh, or reorders. Uh, will still be shipped out to stores. However, uh, they will not be shipped out immediately. Uh, so, if uh, if you know if you're heading to a store expecting to find uh, a book that came out you know three or four weeks ago and they're out of it and they did a reorder, they're probably not going to get it right away. Um, we decided to release this episode of previews nonetheless, even though these books uh, that were originally slated for release in May probably will not be released in May at least physically. Uh, they will more than likely still find a home on uh, digital and uh, will eventually make it to stores. Uh, but we figured, uh, you know, what's better than hearing us talk about comics and uh, things that we're looking forward to either way. So even if this stuff is not going to be released in May, we're still hyped about it. And I hope you guys are too. So without further ado, here is this month's previews episode. This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1764, previews.
1: You got it on Wednesday, and it was like about it going to the volume up. These guys will talk about it. Everything that keeps love, okay, so laser
0: I mean, one scene. I'm
2: Adam Furtill. I'm Chris Ebene.
0: When life lets you play the whole thing out, you let it happen.
3: You know Ian? I got a surge of electricity knowing you were at the helm there for that. That was... <laughs> That was wonderfully self-indulgent.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you, sir. Well, thank you, sir.
2: Worthy of Jamie D. himself.
0: Yes! <laughs> uh, the shiznit looks down upon us and gives us a giant thumbs up.
3: And by the way, it was so great to hear his voice in that trivia episode we put up for our, to commemorate our 15th anniversary. So, Oh,
0: yeah. Definitely. Definitely. All right. It, it is previews time yet again, gentlemen. Yes, yep. indeed. Uh what is the issue number i always forget to look that up
3: 378 uh it's the march edition for books allegedly shipping in may
2: (laughs) yes allegedly (laughs) yes everything is has now been rendered tentative by current global conditions so
0: yep so it goes so it goes uh, but before we get started, just a couple of things of note, uh, as this episode comes out, uh, unless unless I've been a lazy butt, but I doubt that's been the case, uh, there is a new episode up on the Comic Timing feed for the first time since December, as, yes. uh, as the boys uh, went ahead and uh, recorded episode 201. So uh, that's uh, me, Brent, uh, Donovan, uh, Raph, and Brandon, we got together and talked uh, a whole bunch of things from, uh, from the virus to uh, con cancellations to uh, books we've been reading and things we've been watching including the Watchmen TV show and uh, tons of other things so go ahead and check that out over at comictiming.net and then our next release after that once I clean up the, uh, the audio is a file that I thought was lost to the winds of time uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is from the Comic Geek Speak 10th anniversary when, uh, when we went ahead and, uh, and rented a cabin uh, in Reading and went ahead and joined uh, for, the, uh, for the festivities that were happening that weekend. Um, this was recorded in that cabin oh. with, with, uh, with myself, Rap Suhu, uh, Chad Burdett, uh, Mike the Yanni, and uh, Harold, Janet, and Bill English himself. So I, I found that hidden on a, uh, on a on a folder on my uh, on my comic timing server, and I thought it had been lost to a hard drive crash, but alas, that was not the case, so I will be putting that out sort of as a commemorative, uh, you know, if, if not a 15th anniversary uh, episode here on CGS, that will at least be comic timing celebrating 15 years by releasing something from the 10th. So go figure.
3: Magnificent, Ian. Mm-hmm. And as we mentioned in our previous episode, we are endeavoring at some point to get as much of the complete CGS cast, past and present together as possible for a proper uh, 15th anniversary commemoration uh, between the challenge of scheduling and now a national, uh, actually global pandemic. No promises as to when, but it is something we are hoping to do.
0: Yep. And, uh, and one, one final mention. Uh, once again, we are having a donation drive here on the show. Uh, we know it's hard times, uh, but uh, if you can even just throw you know, a dollar our way. Uh, that 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 dollar will mean a lot. Uh, Absolutely. So, yep. So comicgeekspeak.com slash donate.php. There's direct links to the PayPal from there. Previews, gentlemen. Previews. All right. So can I start off? Oh, uh, I know you are because I, I know you're going I know exactly how you're gonna react.
3: Because all that all that matters, all that matters for me, this entire catalog is page thirty eight. Yep. Not just a comic, a new OGN by two of the, the great masters of the medium, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, working with his son Jacob Phillips, who's doing the coloring. Pulp. Ah, oh, a crime. It's a crime noir combined with a western. That look. Look, look at look at the look at the, the sample art. The next couple pages. Oh God. The Celebration of Pulp Fiction Set in a World on the Brink is another must-have hardcover, one of comic's most acclaimed teams. So basically the story is about a pulp writer in 1930s New York who finds himself drawn into a world similar to the worlds so that he writes about in his uh, five-cent-a-word uh, pulp tales. So anything involving Wild West pulp, bank robbers, and Nazis written by Brubaker, drawn by Phillips, come on. Oh, yeah. Murr, I feel, I feel a CGS Best of nomination coming on here. <laughs> mm. Noted.
0: Oh, <laughs> boy. It looks like it's ready to be a movie already just by looking at the art. Yep. <laughs> that's
3: so that, that's I've, – I've raved about this creative team for years on this show. You know, Criminal, Killer Be Killed, um, the Fade Out, uh, Sleeper, going back to, to uh, Wildstorm – Fatal. They've yet to do something that I haven't found utterly uh, sublime. So, can't wait to read this. Mm-hmm. And then on the next page, yep. also exciting
0: Jason Aaron. Oh. Jason Aaron. Genesis 6 4 The sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. The God damned is back. The Virgin yeah, Bride's did number. Did you one. guys
3: read the first miniseries?
0: No, I did not, and I, I, I'm no, gonna have I. to. Yep.
3: <laughs> so the first one was fantastic. I, I, again, it's Aaron, Aaron's take on you know pre pre great flood times, um, and people who were roaming about the earth and dealing with each other pre that cataclysm, and it's Aaron, so. It, the, nothing is held back. <laughs> it is no holds barred. Um, there's a lot of there's not not much hope to hold on to, but there's at least sometimes a slim read uh, as you go through a story like this. But the first goddamn was I thought was inspired, and I'm really excited to see they're bringing it back. And the art artwork by R. M. Guerra is, perfectly suits the tone of these stories.
0: Oh yeah, that, great great al- stuff. It's almost Frank Quitely esque, m- kind of meets yep. Stuart Immonen, weirdly enough.
3: <laughs> and speaking of the Phillips, the next page, Jacob Phillips comes out from underneath his father's shadow. Now fully, he is uh, leading his own book, written by Chris Kahn, and that
0: Texas Blood. Yeah, this looks this looks interesting. Uh, it sure does. Yeah, just just from the description here, uh, that's uh, like Paris, Texas, uh, gut punched by No Country for Old Men. This mature neo western crime series kicks off when the search for a casserole dish. Leads to a dark and tex- tense confrontation on Sheriff uh, Joe Bob seventieth birthday. You had me at dish, you know. <laughs> 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 that's uh, that, yeah. that's an interesting premise there. Searching for a casserole dish.
2: Yeah, casserole dish was the most interesting part of that sentence to me too.
0: <laughs> yeah, but the the art the art does look striking. Um, and he and he has his own style, definitely. You you can see that uh, from from the uh, from the way it's drawn. It's it's not quite his father, uh, but but I mean that in a good way. That it's uh, yep. it, that it's very distinctive.
3: All right, what else you guys got for image? I, I thought Hog it enough. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I've got a uh, mm-hmm. new miniseries by by Justin Jor- Jordan on the on the very next set of pages. On page uh, fifty, uh, Dead Body Road, Bad Blood or I feel like I should say it, dead body road, bad blood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brie Hale has, has left a lot behind in her life, crime, the military, but she can't leave behind her own family. And when the local crime boss puts a hit out on her brother, there's nothing she won't do to save him. Absolutely nothing. Uh, looks like we've got a bloodbath on our hands in this one. and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Uh, J- Justin Jordan and uh, uh, Benjamin Tiesma and Matt Lopez on art. Another one from Skybound.
3: I wanted to point out on page 60, I've never read uh, Fraction and Dwyer's OGN Last Independence. Um, And it's being uh, reissued here.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
3: A character driven desert noir that pits cowboys against mobsters. Now, any, any, any ad copy that mentions the Robert Mitchum classic, The Friends of Eddie Coyle um wow so infraction is such a great writer i've never read this
0: yeah neither have i uh, i i didn't even know it existed honestly until it was listed mm-hmm. here so i, yeah, I i've heard of it up. but never read it i like that the letter type of lassity independence reminds me of venture brothers that's that's all else i'll <laughs> say about that
2: yeah you have to expect the negative space in one of those letters would be a skull
0: yeah uh, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> You know, we got uh, book one of Oblivion Song by uh, by Kirkman and uh, Lorenzo de Felice getting an advance solicit here. Uh this one will not be out until June tenth, uh, but they are soliciting the first volume here uh for the for, for this. And uh uh the hardcover collects to all twelve issues of Oblivion Song, so it's uh worth a worth a look if you're a fan of Kirkman and haven't checked it out.
2: Hmm. What else, my brothers? Uh, you know, truthfully, I hadn't planned to highlight anything from Image uh, this month, uh, with okay. the possible exception of Pulp. But I knew full well that you would do that <laughs> with far more uh, you know, partisan enthusiasm than I would, Chris. So I left it <laughs> in your care, and I would absolutely be buying that if only it were in soft cover. Yeah. So I,
0: I, let me I, continue. I will definitely mention on page sixty-five, uh, since I have given it praise before, that this is the official solicitation for Volume Two of Crowded. Um, and, and once again if you want to see Crowded continue go ahead and buy volume 2 of Crowded uh, it collects issues 7 through 12 of the series and uh, I think it's well worth continuing I mean, and hopefully there'll be enough uh, people going out there and buying this trade to make that right. happen so we shall see
2: <laughs> pay for it don't download it you deadbeats exactly
0: <laughs> you <Yeah>, mooks
2: let's <laughs> move
3: right, so on a Dark Horse then
0: All right, Dark Horse it is
3: all right, page 88. My God. Oh, yes. So Norse mythology won. Hey, listen to this creative team. It, it's actually, God, it's almost obscene. Neil Gaiman, <laughs> P. Craig Russell, Mike Ignolia, Jerry Ordway. Oh, my God.
0: Dave Stewart, for
3: that matter.
2: That's I'm right? sorry. I should have mentioned that name as well. Yeah. That's best yeah. of 2019 nominee, Dave Stewart. Mm-hmm. Yep. And leverin Kinzirsky, who is no slouch either.
1: Yep.
3: Sounds Take to The creation of the Nine Worlds, the epic origin and adventures of Thor, Odin, and Loki. All the way to the end of life, Ragnarok.
0: Yeah. Ne- needs better creators, not interested. Ha, ha,
2: ha. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> uh,
0: now, this th- this looks like it's it's going to be a delightful gem, just even looking at mm-hmm. it. yep. yep.
2: Tied into and in some fashion adapting uh, Neil Gaiman's novel Norse Mythology. And, well, it it just appears to be uh, vignettes taken directly from actual Norse myth and uh, written by Gaiman and uh, illustrated by, you know, if this first issue is to be any indication, there'll probably be a, uh, I don't know if it's going to be Mignola um, Ordway uh, every issue or if it's going to be other supporting artists behind P. Craig Russell every time, but. Whoever's drawing it, you know, Gaiman's take on Norse mythology is enough to keep me engaged here. And the the copy here mentions, uh, or did I imagine that? Well, maybe I did. But uh, P. Craig Russell back in the 90s did an adaptation of uh, The the Ring of the Nibelungen. Yes, he did. Uh, And uh, it took me an age to gather up all the back issues of that at various conventions. So I'm getting in on the ground floor and staying on with this one. Nice. The Ring of the Nibelung, I think I think uh, Roy Thomas wrote that. Right, Merton? Uh, uh, yeah, he – hmm. Uh, he, he, absolutely, he he wrote a version of it. Um, I don't know if he wrote the entire thing. Okay, I may, I may be mixing things up. Maybe he did something with Gil Kane that was along
3: the lines of that as well. I could be wrong there. Someone on the forums can correct me, but – um, I know the P. Craig Russell one you're talking about, it, and I, I, I must admit, whenever I would buy collections, that rarely popped up. So I can, I can imagine how long it took you to find those. Right. It's
2: 14 parts is what I saw. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I also do have that Roy Thomas uh, series you mentioned, Chris. Okay. So yeah, you're, you're not imagining things that did exist.
3: All right. Good. I'm glad I'm my middle age isn't too advanced yet. Um, I want to point on page 96. Like This is my month. Noir: A collection of crime comics hardcover. Yep. Thirteen crime stories. Now let's let, let me go through this pulse pounding list. Azarello, Lemire, Brubaker, Motter, Offit, DeCampi, Perker, Grist, Geary, Lizzie, Phillips, Cano, Guadino, Petrus, Joel Jones, Barretto, Sean Phillips, Ba, Fabio Moon. Holy mackerel! God. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I figured that would be right up your alley.
3: I mean, I'm sure I've read some of these stories, but, oh, what a great collection. Looks like it's black and white, too.
2: Oh, yes, it is.
3: As it should be. Uh, Ian, I have to ask you, and and Mm -hmm. we can always jump back, but I'm very excited. 99, have you ever read Black Sad before?
0: That's where I was going next, actually. I have have not, and uh, now that it's collected as one complete collection here, including... Materials that have never seen print in English. Uh, now's my time to do it. Um, I've I've always wanted to, um, and and this is this is you know as good a reason to do it as any. Especially the price point, as I'm sure there'll be a very good discount in a bunch of different places for it. As retails thirty bucks, so if I can get it for fifteen, I'm in.
3: I want to recommend this. We've mentioned this in the show in the years past, but um, it's a European comic. I want to say the creators are from Spain. Um. If you love crime noir and and just anthropomorphic animals, but the art is so dynamic, so compelling. I mean, it just it leaps off the page. of The realism. Uh, These are fantastic stories. If you love, like you know Raymond Chandler and uh, you know books like that, or or the great you know crime noir films, you're going to eat this stuff up. I remember when I, when I was first introduced to Blackside, I could not put it down.
1: <laughs> uh,
3: it, 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 this is a magnificent collection. I already have them in various hardcovers, but I, I can't recommend this enough. This, Whatever the price is, it's worth it.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, Those of you who have, are not familiar with Blackside but have seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit, ah. let imagine if uh, the seamy, hard-boiled detective world of Eddie Valiant and the wacky, uh, anthropomorphic cartoon animal world of Roger Rabbit were merged into one. And that's basically where Black Sad takes place. Well put, Mert.
0: I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I'm definitely in. Yeah, no, this is this is going to be on my shelf at some point. No question about it. Yeah.
2: Yep. Shane is not with us tonight, but uh, I know he would add his voice to the praise, too. He loves Black Sad. Yes, yes. Yep.
0: Uh, I've got something on page 106, so if any of you guys have anything before then, uh, be my guest. I'm good. Merge, you got anything? Nope, nope, I'm fine. All right. Uh, So this is a collection of uh, the complete five issue miniseries. But the creators behind it, uh, I I hadn't heard of it, and now I'm now I need to read it because it's it's Alex DeCampy on writing and Chris Cross cross on art. Yeah. Boom. Sold. Uh, It's it's bank shot, and this is the complete five issue miniseries of that. A past betrayal has primed Marcus King for revenge, and now that he has been given enhanced abilities. The fuse is lit, so that sounds that sounds like an interesting enough premise to give it a shot. And again, I with, love with Chris those Cross's creators. work on
3: Captain Marvel with Peter
0: David. So, oh. good. so good. Yeah, yeah, yep. So, I'm I'm very interested in that.
3: What else for Dark Horse, gentlemen? I'm done with the company. anybody else anything they want to shout out?
0: Uh, perhaps the Harrow County Omnibus, uh, as. Yet another thing I haven't actually checked out that everybody keeps talking about and saying that it's amazing is Harrow County. And this is the first Omnibuy or Omnibu or omnibee on page 110. Uh, Colin, Colin Bunn is the writer. Ty- Tyler uh, Crook is the artist. And uh, this is 16 issues of Harrow County for only 30 bucks. It's a great deal. Yeah, that is a damn good deal. So that, that that's another thing I'm, that may be on my uh, eventual Christmas list, as it were. I think that's it for me on Dark Horse.
2: Murder? yep, uh, I'm good for
3: Dark Horse as well. All right, DC, it is. We're moving along. Dark Knight's Death Metal. I'm. I. I. I didn't read the first. What was the first series called?
0: Uh, it was just called Dark- uh, Metal. That's it. Just called yeah.
2: Metal. I didn't read that, so I can't yep. comment on this. At yep. first, it was Dark Knight's Metal, and this is Dark Knight's Death Metal. So okay. it's, it gets darker. <laughs> Dark Knight's Metal was actually a good series. yeah, um, yeah it was uh, kind of a uh, it, it's a kind of a quest adventure through uh, hidden DC history. Um, searching for uh, these strange extraterrestrial metals, you know, you know the Hawkman's nth uh, metal was, you know, just one of a series of such metals and uh, uh, so and eventually it's revealed that uh, these metals were kind of bubbled up into the DC uh, the main DC universe from the dark multiverse that lay beneath, and so that touched off the whole dark multiverse aspect of, uh, of DC's universe-wide storytelling that's been going on over the past couple of years. And now things get even darker and more violent uh, in uh, this series, Death Metal.
0: Yeah, all right. I uh, I, I really enjoyed the uh, the different uh, Batman that they introduced in that. You know, the dark versions of a of, of Batman. Uh, especially enjoyed the uh, the merger between the flash and, and, and Batman um, that where uh, essentially Batman decided that the only way to actually uh, get rid of all the crime was to essentially take over Barry Allen and become the flash and and uh, they merged into one being and it was creepy and scary and just new. <laughs> is the best way to put it. So if that, if there's anything that creative in the, in this new uh version, then I'll be in on death metal. All right.
3: Yep. All right, next page we have Generation 1.
0: So this is that 5G we've all been talking about. Uh it begins here. I I apparently have to read flash forward uh because they made it somehow made that the catalyst for this. Um as as I as I know I know Wally something happens in issue six where Wally I think winds up on Metron's chair and in doing so changes the course of history um to quote unquote correct things. And mm-hmm. and, and that's how we get to where we are with generation one, where everything's changed again. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, (laughs) again. Yeah, emphasis on again. Exactly. Uh, This is supposed to be like even a further correction on legacy, uh, where Wonder Woman is now the oldest hero in the DC universe, um, Mm. similar to what she was in the in the movies and previously in continuity. Um, And I think this is supposed to also just you know put right like the Titans and and JSA and all that jazz. Like it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting where all this goes and and how it. Fits into everything, whether or not they consider this to be a, a side universe along with what we have post rebirth, or whether this is just taking its place, we're going to have to find out after this one shot.
2: Hmm. All right. Yep. I will be watching this with interest. Um, nobody missed the Generation Zero Free Comic Book Day issue mm-hmm. that uh, DC will be putting up because that also, in addition to Flash Forward, that will lead into all of this. Yep. Um, and. Uh, yeah, one thing though, I've, I, I kind of wish they hadn't. Uh, here in the copy, they 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 they'd say the history of the DC universe starting with the debut of Wonder Woman, DC's first superhero. I have no problem with uh, Wonder Woman being the first superhero in this new iteration of DC's history, but I wish they'd phrased uh, that sentence a bit differently because it makes it sound like uh, it, it just sounds wrong. Because we all know that uh, in real world history, Wonder Woman was no such thing. Correct. Yep. So they could have just said something like, uh the the, the first superhero of this new reality mm. generation one's first superhero. So something like that. Yep. Well as and I'm just hazarding a guess here, but as Ian mentioned, they may also be trying to
3: dovetail this with um the, the movie chronology that they're establishing. Right. Mm. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, because 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 and yes, this is very sarcastic, as I'm saying it. I'm just I'm just I'm just forewarning that uh, we all know that trying to shoehorn in movie continuity is totally what comic book uh, fans want.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It works. Sarcasm is well placed and appreciated.
0: Well, yeah, what I do want is on the next page. Oh, my God. Yes. Wow. (laughs) Look at this. Batman The Adventures continue number one.
3: But it's the creative team. They brought back Paul Dini, Alan Burnett, and art by Ty Templeton.
0: Yeah. This this makes the the kid in me so happy. Uh, dear DC Universe, please somehow restart the animated series. That would be delightful. But until then, this is as close as we're going to get. And nice. I, I am so on board for this.
3: Yeah, this is a wonderful idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and Ty Tuppleton did a bunch of the the artwork on the previous uh, Batman Adventure yes, series, so yes, he, that that's what, why why the, his name caught my eye. Yep, yeah, I'm I'm so interested in that, uh, but I'm even more interested on the next solicitation, uh, the Green Lantern 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular. Uh, now, I'm, as, I, as I'm akin to say, written by everyone with art by everyone, um, this is uh, a huge prestige format book, uh, but my boy Kyle Rayner's on the cover, so I'm in.
3: <laughs> All right. It. yep. in in showing the time he started to read comics when Hell he was yeah. coming of age when
2: Kyle Rayner was his Green Lantern.
0: Yes, indeed, and he still is today, damn it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> okay. jumping no ahead. One, no ahead, one has Mark, killed sorry. him
2: off yet, and I hope they never do.
3: They've tried a few times. Jumping ahead to page 17. Manhunter's The Secret History by Mark Andreco. I never read his Manhunter series. I hear, I hear it's fantastic. Um, and uh, he's returning to the character here for a one-shot.
2: That's I'm sorry, it's a miniseries. I apologize. It's a miniseries. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, one of five. Uh, yes, yeah, so as uh, the caption here tells us, it is spinning out of the pages of Event Leviathan because uh, the... Uh, uh, the the man behind the mask of Leviathan, who is at the head of the organization Leviathan, is a figure with strong ties to the Manhunter legacy. So, uh, Mark and Draco is taking this opportunity to uh, revisit and uh, uh, recount that entire legacy, which took an entire issue of Secret Origins back in the eighties to retell. So, here in uh, the year twenty twenty, they can certainly milk uh, a five issue miniseries out of that, and uh, I will be picking that up and reading with interest.
0: All right. I'm really glad to see Mark and Draco back on, Man, on Manhunter. Uh, the, 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 character, the character has always been one of my favorites, and uh, anybody who hasn't read any of the original Manhunter uh, stuff that Draco did... I'm three issues in, so far so good. Nice. Uh, it's it's all there on the DC Universe app, um, and, and you can find it digitally as well, but the fact that they're doing Manhunter's The Secret History with Andraco and Renato Geddes back together just thrills me and I, I hope that this weeds uh, into some sort of uh, of an ongoing series after the miniseries is, con- is concluded because that just, ah, oh, wets my whistle so much.
3: Ian, extra
2: points for using the phrase,
3: wet my whistle. <laughs> uh,
0: Donka. What else, gentlemen?
2: Uh, well, on page 16 there's a new Man Bat miniseries. Five issues long by uh, two creators uh, of whom I've never heard, Dave Vilgaz and uh, Sumit Kumar. Uh, but it's it's a Man-Bat miniseries, and I, I will buy it because it is – well, <laughs> uh, Man-Bat's not precisely a villain, but anti-hero. And he, he's a, one of my favorite uh, Batman family members. I have all two issues of his Bronze Age series. <laughs> so well, I have a couple of other miniseries that I'm done with the character too, so I will buy this one also.
3: Yep. I'll I'll be be frank. I don't have a lot to say for DC, so I'll kind of turn this over to you guys, and I'll just kind of riff as you move along.
0: Okay. Uh, I am interested in Joker War, by the way. I, I know that it was a, a originally solicited a few pages back, uh, as on the in the main uh, Batman uh, book on page eleven, uh, with stuff by James Tinian the Fourth uh, and Jorge Jimenez on uh, on art. Um, it's the Joker. So I, I, I always love to see different creators do their take on the character and uh, I'm wondering how, just how James Tinian is going to do it and how different it is from previous iterations that we've seen recently uh, from, from a bunch of different creators. Um, but this looks like it's going to be uh, spanning a couple of different uh, issues of this main series uh, with a couple of tie-in issues as well. Um, as I know that there's a tie-in issue uh, in uh, in Batgirl uh, for, for the series and Obviously, Batgirl has a bit of a history with the Joker. <laughs>
2: Fair to say. Mm-hmm.
0: And let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, they're putting out a secret files for Batman. Speaking of Batman, on page uh, page 25 uh, by uh, James Tinian, uh, Vita Ayala, uh, Mariko Tamaki, Dan Waters, and Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by a bunch of different creators as well, and... Um, Love the Secret Files series, and I'm happy to see that they're that they're keeping it running at DC one way or the other. Try to keep you uh, up to date on the characters and the stories that are occurring with said characters.
3: Ian, you always have to comment on The Flash, right? You, I know you're a big fan of the Williamson run, correct?
0: Yep, sure am, and uh, we get the stunning conclusion to The Flash Age with uh, with issue 755. I've uh, got to start the Flash Age before I can finish it, but uh, I most definitely will get there because uh, this is uh, such good stuff. And then we get uh, in 756, as it is a, uh, a, a twice-monthly book, uh, In the Wake of Godspeed's Death, A New Rogues Gallery Rises. And there's some really cool redesigns of a bunch of the uh, the rogues gallery on that uh, on that cover there uh, by, by Rafa Sandoval. Uh, really love the beard on, on, on Captain Cold. It kind of adds something to the character a little bit.
3: Uh, I just want to mention on page 34, uh, you Charles have mentioned how good the Hawkman series is by Venditti. Mm-hmm. And this issue, they bring Hawkwoman back in. Nice. Um, th- this is a book I have to hunt the trades. I've always loved the Hawkman character. I, I revered the um, uh, James Robinson uh, was and Jeff John series, I believe. Uh, which was fantastic. So this is a series I want to jump into. I, I'm just fascinated by the history of Hawkman.
0: Yeah. Now, which it,
3: once again was expertly unraveled in a, in the Hawkman Spotlight <laughs> years ago on CGS.
0: Now is this is this uh, Shira or Kendra? That's the question.
2: I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Mm. It looks more like Shiera than like Kendra. Interesting.
0: Yeah, because yeah, I know Kendra's had a lot to do in the uh, in the DCU of late. So uh, mm. yeah
3: is Kendra alive?
0: Uh, last we checked. I mean, unless, unless she perished in, uh, in Justice League and I haven't gotten there yet, um, that she was a major part of that arc. So.
2: Yeah, okay. yeah, she and uh, Martian Manhunter were romantically linked for a while there. Yep. Yes. And, uh, oh, uh, another uh, nod back to uh, the Dark Knight's Metal series. It uh, added a few new wrinkles to the already complicated history of Hawkman.
3: <laughs> huh, okay.
2: It revealed that uh, Hawkman's uh, ages-long cycle of reincarnation went back a lot further than anyone knew, even longer ago than ancient Egypt. So longer than Prince Khufu, huh? Yep. All right. That that Peter Rio's
3: helmed spotlight was a masterpiece.
0: Oh. Yeah. That, that when when uh, when Pants put up that uh, that list of uh, favorite you know CGS episodes, that one that immediately came to mind for me. Yep.
2: What else, gentlemen uh, well on page 45 uh, shazam number 13 uh the shazam family faces off against superboy prime the ultimate angry fanboy uh <laughs> yeah jeff johns uh has been foreshadowing uh, this confrontation in recent issues of uh, the series and i guess number 13 is where it comes to a head
0: i'd love to know how he's back because that's Maybe this has to do with the whole, uh, you know, resetting of the universe and what have you, because I was pretty damn sure he was written out of existence. Magic, Ian. Ooh. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. It's magic. You don't have to explain it. Right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm being only slightly facetious, too, because uh, everything in the Shazam book right now has to do with magic. Right. And uh, it's... Uh, Its structure and its uh, uh, topography and all of that. The the seven magic lands uh, that uh, the Shazam family is exploring. And in one of those magic lands, um, Superboy Prime occupies a prison cell.
0: Got it.
2: So somebody, somehow he survived uh, erasure from existence and somebody took pains to make sure he didn't cause any more trouble for uh, reality as it now exists. But that somebody uh, didn't take quite enough precautions, apparently, because he's back and uh, the Shazam family have to deal with him. Oh. And I'm sure he's going to complain about how they're not as good as the old Shazam comics from the 70s he used to read <laughs> in his mom's basement.
0: Well, I'm, I'm sure that if he does survive this, I cannot wait for the confrontation between him and Connor Kent because they will have a lot to say to each other. <laughs> they have history. Yeah.
2: Right. Uh, that's 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 what was going on in the Titans book just before Flashpoint, hit, isn't it?
0: Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know uh, at when when Connor, quote unquote, died, it was at the hands of uh, of, of uh, Superboy Prime in the first place. So, yeah, they 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 have a they have a big bunch of stuff to, to discuss, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> right. I would kind of like to see Bendis play with uh, uh, the uh, the Superboy Prime toy. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking
0: of, speaking
3: of Bendis, for Shane's sake, you mm-hmm. should mention on page 48 that Kevin McGuire is doing the art on Superman 23. Yeah. Ooh, I missed that.
0: Nice. Very cool. Always love seeing him on anything. Ah, uh, magnificent artist. Yeah. He's going to work well with Bendis.
3: Yep. One of Shane's favorites. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, one page before that, by the way, just a quick shout out. Um, this is yet another conclusion to a Supergirl book. Um, this is a supergirl number 42 and it's going to be the conclusion of of that uh, title uh supergirl books can never really catch a break i feel like they they very rarely get to a, even a 50th issue and this one almost did uh with <laughs> with issue 42 so uh, i don't know if there's going to be another series on the on the on the rise or whether she's just going to be a background player for a bit but uh yeah this is this is it for this current supergirl uh, series mm.
2: Yeah, and you know which Supergirl series did make it well past 50 issues? Which one? The Peter David one. Mm-hmm. It sure did. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, It's the one that is so soundly denigrated by so many fans nowadays. But somebody liked it, and uh, <laughs> this fan says they had good reason to.
3: Yep. Ian, you want to give your standard shout-out on page uh, 54?
2: Always. Uh,
0: th- this one... Uh is gonna go even further into impulse and uh, special art by, by Scott uh, Godluski Gad- on this one. Uh, and we're gonna pretty much just find out more about uh, how exactly Bart is what he is in this in this current iteration of the universe and uh, the truth behind his legacy of uh and and the legacy of young justice is revealed in issue number 16 and uh we're apparently going to find out next issue uh it's about two issues before this exactly how they remember each other uh so i'm looking forward to when that one comes out as well Right. right i'm in
3: trades unless you guys some of the stuff you want to shout out in the floppy section uh,
0: nothing nothing stands out to me uh uh, facsimile editions uh, this month by the way include uh, Green Lantern there's Mer- there's Man
2: Bat yep. <laughs> yep there it is with <laughs> Steve Ditko drawing Batman
0: yep, yep. a rare yep. sight wow that's that's crazy and uh, it, it was Ditko and Milgram too for that matter
3: and, and Jerry Conway scripting yep mm-hmm. wow and there's your Manhunter number one Ian Dollar Comics yep hell yeah that's a series I gotta, I gotta read that series I've yep. always heard it's great track it
0: down man it's, it's well worth a read yeah yep, yep.
3: Uh, also on page sixty nine, Batman you know, Top Pilot uh, t- Temple and uh, t- Paul Dini and uh, Rick, Rick Burchett. Batman Adventures Batgirl, League of Romes that collects um, Batgirl Adventures One, which remember was quite expensive as a back issue actually, and Batman Gotham Adventures Eight, Nine, 9, 22, and Thirty Eight. Next page, uh, Matt Wagner's Legend of the Dark Knight: A Collection of All of Matt Wagner's Batman Stuff. Matt Wagner does great Batman stories.
2: His monster man and the mad monk were both sensational.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. I read them both this past fall for Halloween. <laughs> I love murder. Yes. Good stuff. Good stuff. Very. Yeah, very good. I'm at- glad you enjoyed atmospheric. It. Yes. Good word. Yep.
0: We have the collection of uh, Dark Knight Returns: The Golden Child on page seventy-three. So anybody who was waiting for Miller and Raphael Grandpa's uh, Dark Knight uh, sequel to the sequel to the sequel. Uh, that that one uh, is now out in in hardcover form. Uh, trade TBD uh, as to when the soft cover will be uh, released.
3: I I didn't even know this existed. I totally missed this.
0: Yeah, I I knew it was coming out, and I, I'm the only pretty much the only reason I'm interested is the, is the Raphael Grandpa art because Grandpa's a mm. terrific artist. Uh, but I. I may just have to flip through it and see whether it catches my eye story-wise, mm-hmm. because again, I've I'm, I've long since been done with Dark Knight with the Dark Knight Returns universe. Uh, so we'll we'll see about that.
3: And I have to mention for Shane on page seventy-nine, Justice League International Volume Two: Giffen, Dematteis, Sprouse, McCone, Marshall Rogers, Derek Robinson, new cover by Kevin Maguire. Uh, immensely fun stuff. I have on my shelf the Justice League. International Omnibus, which I still have to read. I haven't read all those stories, and I have to sit down with Shane and talk about it.
0: Page seventy-six collects Flash Forward. Uh, so uh, anyone who was waiting on it, like myself, uh, will be able to get it in trade form, uh, and uh, hopefully, I hope, hopefully, my local library will get it. So I don't even have to spend money on it. Because if it stinks, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to. But
3: we'll see. <laughs> I wanted to point out, I'm jumping ahead a little bit on pa- DC's copying Marvel now that have page numbers. And page eighty-five. Graphic novels for kids, two uh, box sets, and graphic novels for adults, a box set. Fantastic. Nice.
0: Always like to see that.
3: Yes, very much.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, we're also uh, recollecting some classic Nightwing, uh, the, the Year One stuff. Uh, Nightwing Year One Deluxe Edition uh, by Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon. Uh, art and cover by Scott McDaniel and, yeah. and Andy Owens. Uh, I remember that being excellent. I really enjoyed that when it was coming out and yeah. uh, and uh, happy to see it collected. And else for DC Brothers.
2: That's uh, a couple of interesting trades on pages 82 and 83. On 82, we've got uh, the Kyle Baker run on Plastic Man from the early 2000s, all 20 issues of it in a hardcover. Uh, I want to see some interesting uh, visual interpretations of Plastic Man uh, from Kyle Baker, whose loose, Indified imagination allows him to do some more imaginative things with Plastic Man than a lot of other creators. Uh, 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 Baker himself complained in interviews that uh, most people who drew Plastic Man didn't do anything more with him than make his neck get longer. Uh, So Kyle Baker challenged himself to... uh, really exploit Plastic Man's power set visually as fully as he could. So uh, judge for yourself how well he did by uh, picking up this hardcover. And on page 83, we've got a complete collection. Well, uh, it's not complete, but uh, uh, the first volume of uh, what I hope will be a complete collection of the Super Friends tie-in comic from the 70s, written by uh, E. Nelson Bridwell, a favorite of mine, and others. Art by the great Ramona Fraden, Rick Estrada, and others. Um, it collects the first 26 issues of the Super Friend comic uh, and some of those big, a couple of stories from those big tabloid editions that DC was doing in the 70s. And the ultra rare Aqua Meet the Super <laughs> Friends, number one. I, I want to say that's like a SeaWorld giveaway. Wow. So, yeah, there's, there's a couple of rarities in there. Oh, um, my God and yeah these were good good underrated uh, dc derived stories you know they weren't part of the main dc universe continuity you know, whatever that was in the late 70s but uh, um yeah it's this is some, some good fun stories by e nelson bridwell one of my favorite uh, writers of the uh, of the silver and bronze ages who also was responsible for uh, the most of the run of the, the Shazam series of the eighties, of the seventies, and early eighties. Um, and yeah, I uh, treated myself to the first issue of this, um, which I bought at an antique mart uh, for my birthday this year. So now uh, DC has given me a way to uh, pick up um, another good-sized chunk of that run uh, in a single package. Of course, it is a hardcover, so I may need to wait a little bit until volume one of this comes out in softcover.
0: I can hear that narration in my head right now. <laughs> Uh, all right, that's that's it for DC for me. All right, IDW. Before we do, gentlemen, I I missed mm-hmm. something in Dark Horse that I want to bring up real quick. Please. Um as uh this harkens back to the days when I was uh anime reporter for Comic Geek Speak. Uh when I would send in the anime report uh which was uh, the uh, the companion piece to Charlito's 5 minutes of manga but uh, I would uh, I would go ahead and, uh, and update people on, on latest releases coming out of the uh, the Japanese anime world and one of those pieces that I remember bringing up was Helsing it's always been one of my favorite series and the manga is even better than than either of the uh, the Helsing series that have come out and uh, Helsing is being released in deluxe hardcover editions from Dark Horse and I may need these even though I have all of the uh the volumes of the original manga because it's gorgeous art by Kōta Hirano and some of my favorite manga stories uh it's about a a, a vampire named uh, Alucard uh, obviously Dracula backwards and mm-hmm. uh, and he uh he works for the Helsing organization trying to take down uh both uh fellow vampires and Nazis because Every story is better if you're taking down some Nazis. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And uh, that's uh, that's definitely what Hellsing is all about. And this collects the first four volumes of the manga in one giant deluxe hardcover on page one seventeen. So definitely had to mention that before we move on to IDW.
3: All right, we got a My Little Pony Transformers crossover.
0: Yes, I am
3: buying
2: it.
0: (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) James Asmus is writing it. That's good pedigree right there.
2: Yeah, with some help from Ian Flynn of the long-running Sonic comic.
0: Nice. Very cool. Yeah, they've got literally all four issues of it solicited here, so it's all coming out in a month from the looks of it. Yep.
3: On page 140... Every month, I'm in awe of the covers for the Star Trek Year 5 series. If the stories are half as good as the covers, this has got to be amazing, Star Trek. Um, I, I mean, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I love the Valentine one-shot I just read. I may have to pick this series up when it's collected. Mm-hmm. It's, wow, those covers are phenomenal.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. No, every single time... <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks like it looks like a movie poster it really does yeah they're, they're really impressive yeah 132 idw uh i may not have liked the movie very much but uh from the cover if the art is anywhere near as good as the cover then i may have to flip through this and mm. see if it's worth it uh star wars the rise of skywalker graphic novel adaptation out of idw uh written by alessandro ferrari uh, with uh, various artists uh, and uh, this this is uh, supposed to be uh, just going through the entire story of the movie, probably with some added bits like usual. Um, and uh, maybe they'll uh, flesh out Ray's story even further in this one. Um, well, we shall see. So, yeah, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker graphic novel adaptation, 132. Page
3: 146. I'm just going by the art. Sea of Stars, one of five writer, uh, forgive me if I mispronounce this, Rich Dweck. Artist Alex Cormack. The art is amazing. It's an undersea uh, salvage uh, adventure in the North Atlantic after World War One. They're, they're salvaging a sunken U-boat. The darkness of the ocean floor holds deeper terrors than any of them have
0: bargained for.
3: Uh, look at that art. Oh wow,
2: that is breathtaking.
0: That is that is pretty so, cool. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yep. Speaking of uh, breathtaking artwork, uh, turn back one page to pages 144 and 145. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got a miniseries called Bermuda coming out, Mm. uh, written by John Lehman, who I believe brought us uh, Chew a few years ago. And with artwork by uh, Nick Bradshaw, um, who uh, had some things uh, in the works for Marvel a couple of years ago. I think he did some art for the uh, Infinity Wars miniseries that Marvel did. Yep. Um. Yeah, there's some really lush visuals there. It's about a young woman named Bermuda who lives on a lost island in the Bermuda Triangle where all kinds of fun adventure anachronisms exist, you know, it's dinosaurs and dodos and things <laughs> like that, along with plenty of uh, lost ships and planes and things, as you'd expect of the B- Bermuda Triangle. Um, so it's a 16-year-old girl having adventures in the midst of all this, and uh, Nick Bradshaw drawing it all for us. And um, I think I will pay for four issues of that.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely picking up the collection of this. Uh Bradshaw's one of my favorite artists. His Wolverine and the X Men run was awesome and filled with like such exciting dynamic artwork and just him getting to right uh draw dinosaurs after all that Krakoa he uh he he drew back in the day. Oh yeah. This this is gonna be perfect.
3: Alright I gotta oh. Page one fifty two. Oh, uh-huh. man! So, oh, wow. I mentioned the show over the years how big a fan I am of the uh, Bill Manlow, Michael Golden, Micronauts stories from the late Bronze Age. Those are not familiar with the Micronauts was a relatively short lived toy line that came out in the latter nineteen seventies. They were very small toys. And like they were like modules, they had different vehicles and things that clicked together and so forth. And Mantlo saw the toys and he convinced Marvel to get the license. And he, and he came up with this entire universe based around these toy concepts, took them in a, in a much greater direction than the, the toys had gone. And the early issues are all Michael Golden art. I mean I think these books sometimes get underlooked and underrated. This is some of the most exciting comics of the late 1970s, the art is amazing. The stories are immensely fun. Um, plus, the Micronauts, when they cross over from the Microverse to art to the Marvel Universe, they're still tiny, <laughs> so they have to deal with that. As you can see, the, where they're about to be run over by a lawnmower on the on the cover of the Artist Edition. This collects issues in their entirety: three, seven, eight, nine, eleven, and twelve. If I had money to burn, I'd I'd get this. Like the. I love Michael Golden's work, and and these early Micronaut stories were just. If you grew up in 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 the you're growing up in the late seventies, you love Star Wars, you love Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, all that stuff. You're going to dig the Micronauts.
0: The Micronauts crossed over with the X Men at one point, right? Yes, they did. Yeah, yes, that's that's what I thought.
3: <laughs> the series ran well into the eighties. Yeah, um, it just Golden was only on it early on, um, but that was Bill Mantlo's baby. Nice. Uh, the next page. Whew. So the late great Darwin Cook, you know, he, he interpreted many of uh, Richard Stark, aka Donald Westlake's classic Parker novels, and this is uh, collects the score and Slayground, the last two I think he did. What's most important? I, I can't afford this. What's most important here is there was this brand new 17 page story by Brubaker and Phillips.
1: Oof! God.
3: <laughs> I don't have the hundred bucks for that, but
0: oh god. man, you you are lucking out on Rubaker and Phillips this month.
3: Yeah, I just can't <laughs> I can't swing that one. But yeah, wow, I bet that's them them doing a uh, Parker. Oh god, well that's be amazing. I,
0: I I have I I have some good art to look forward to uh, if I if I go ahead and pick up on page what's on page one fifty eight, Godzilla the Half Century War. Look at that cover. <laughs>
3: Ah, that's a great cover! Mm-hmm. Oh my
0: God, J- James James Stocco. That is a great cover yep. on 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 writing and art. Uh, following one man's journey from the moment Godzilla's reign of destruction begins and continues over his lifetime, one battle after another. In damn, that looks good. The- that's a yep. really exciting
3: visual of Godzilla. It really is. Yes,
2: that's that. That is a good miniseries, and I've been trying to give away a page of original art from this series <laughs> uh, as a muddle the Murder prize for what feels like months.
1: <laughs>
2: but uh, it's it's a prize worth having, folks. I mean, I picked up this miniseries when it was first published, and uh, it's it, it it it's not only is Soko's artwork amazingly detailed, and you know he he redraws. Fine monsters. He's Dave Wachter and Art Adams class. Uh, And yes, I do mention those two men in the same breath because it's deserved. Um, But it's a great story, too. it's, It's Godzilla through the ages as seen through the eyes of kind of Godzilla's own Phil Sheldon from Marvel's. Um, as as we touch on all the different eras of Godzilla filmmaking uh, in uh, in comic book miniseries form, just uh, the the impact that Godzilla, in all his many incarnations over the past half century, have had on the life of one ordinary man who becomes obsessed with him. Godzilla becomes this guy's white whale. So yeah, it's it's a great story, great illustrations. Just give it a look.
0: And if you want to try to win that page, go ahead and send your Muddle the Merd <laughs> submission to comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. Make sure to put Muddle the Merd in the subject title. And make sure to have it be Marvel, DC, or independent. And it's uh, what, what years again, Merd? Uh, what, what Pre-1970, yep. between
2: 1970 and 2000, inclusive, yep. and post-2000. And don't forget to include the answers to the three questions you're asking.
0: Yes, indeed. Yep. ComicKeyspeak at gmail.com, and you could win that page! Alright. Yeah. <laughs> Ian, that was great game show host. Fantastic. It was, yeah. Why, thank you. Alright, guys,
3: I'm I'm nearing my, my family mark, unfortunately. Well, fortunately and unfortunately. So can I just shout out a few things, and I'll leave the rest in your capable hands? By all means. Yeah, uh, I don't want to hog too much. Just a couple things. Um, for Marvel, just a few things I wanted to mention. One, I I, I, I mean, a lot of it's just the Empire mini series, which we'll talk about when it comes out, but are you guys going to get Empire Number One?
0: I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm going to at least try Number One, so we can talk yeah. about it. But what I'm really fascinated by, I think, is a great idea. Is on page 32 of the Marvel catalog, giant size X-Men tribute to Ween and Cockrum Number One. So they're taking the classic, you know, this is where they introduced the new X-Men, of course, in uh, 1975, I believe. So they, they're redoing the entire book, same script with a different artist interpreting each page. What a fantastic idea. Wow. That looks wonderful. Wow.
0: That sounds awesome.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so if you're an X-Men fan, that's something I I think it's going to be well worth checking out. The other book I wanted to mention from Marvel uh, that's got me really excited, uh, and I'm sure Myrtle especially appreciate this, they're doing a new Marvel series on page, again, no page number, I'm sorry, one moment, Page, page 55, 58, I believe. The Marvel's number one, Kurt Busiek writing.
2: That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> it's enough for me, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But, yeah, it looks like it's going to be on the order of the uh, uh, Marvel Universe anthology that um, Marvel did for like a year back in the late 90s, I think. Uh, I think Roger Stern wrote at least the first arc, and it was just like samplings of uh, adventure stories from any place and time throughout the entire Marvel continuum. Any character, any locale was fair game. And there were some fun, interesting stories from some unexpected corners coming out of that. And it looks like music's got the same intent with this series, and I am all for it. Absolutely. Um, so I just wanted to mention that.
3: And just a quick, just an awesome cover. On page 61, the the new Marvel series. I got issue one on my ship, but I haven't read it yet uh, yesterday. Look at that Alex Ross rendering of Power Man and Iron Fist.
1: Oh. Mm.
3: Nice. God, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, just two more things, guys, and I'll get it out of your hair. Um, in Dynamite, a new priest book, Sacred Six. So I missed the boat on Priest doing Vampirella. I have the first trade on order. But now he's doing a, a, a spinoff of, of Vampirella. Four women are lured to a rural Georgia as part of a mysterious scheme to defend an impoverished farming town which finds itself under siege by zealots. The all-new Draculina, Panther, Nyx, and Chastity. Have been brought together in Ashland, an effort to avert all that war against nearby Sacred Georgia. It's priest. I, I'm so excited to, to, to check this out. I'm really looking forward to getting that Vampirella trade. Um, so I'm very excited about that. The last thing I want to mention, because you know it's it's mandatory, is tomorrow's. So I'm jumping ahead to page 376. Okay, first of all, Retrofan Magazine number 10. It celebrates fifty years of Shaft. Right Damn on. right. Oh. <laughs> Let me tell you the, the, the David Walker Shaft novel that he wrote a few years back, and the miniseries he did were all wonderful. So if you're a fan of Shaft and black exploitation, I, I highly recommend those. Back issue 121 is an all Conan the Barbarian issue. It's celebrating the fiftieth anniversary of Roy Thomas and Barry Windsor Smith's Conan number one. They're also going to get into here. You go, Murad Arak, Son of Thunder, Warlord. Ah, that, that sounds fantastic. They're going even going to Conan's Dark Horse history. That'll be a great issue of back back issue. And then Ultra Go One Sixty
1: Five,
3: <laughs> showcased cover of Martin Goodman. Yes. So we've done you know, spotlights. talk talked about the history of Marvel, and we've talked about you know, you know the the founding publisher of Timely slash Atlas slash Marvel. Martin Goodman, one of the more enigmatic and often cast as villainous uh, people in the history of the comic book medium in the United States. I'm definitely getting this issue because any exploration of his impact in history I find fascinating. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of great testimonials from people who worked under him. But a very important figure in, in the history of the American comic book and and, and, a, and, a, and a, often an, an enigmatic and controversial one. Very cool. All right, fellas. I got to go uh, – be a parent.
0: <laughs> Godspeed, sir.
3: But uh, both of you stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we'll reconvene soon as we can here uh, through our remote locations.
0: Right. Sounds good to me, Chris. All right. Go watch Good night, heads. gentlemen. Good
3: Take night. care. Vaya
2: Bye. Rios, compadre. Indeed. <laughs> so,
0: Alrighty. And it is that time yet again, Murd, where it's just you and me.
2: Alright, let's <laughs> Pack up our comics in our old kit bag and podcast, podcast,
0: podcast. Heck yeah. Uh, I got a little bit more out of IDW. Uh, 159. I'm sure that if uh, Chris was to stick around, he probably would have mentioned this. Uh, Rom Dyer Wraiths by, by Chris Ryle with uh, with art by, uh, by Luca Bazzari, uh, Guy Dorian Sr., Sal Bashema and Ron Joseph. In 1969, two American astronauts became the first human to set foot on Earth's moon. But something inhuman is waiting for them. Ba-ba-boom. <laughs> uh, good old-fashioned ROM action from IDW. Can't beat that. Right. It's
2: same classic character, uh, less Marvel continuity. Exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, IDW may work with Marvel on a regular basis, but uh, they, they, they can't really make that a Marvel book.
2: Mm, no, I guess not. There's... Yeah.
0: There are limits to the partnership. Exactly. Yeah. well. All right. You got anything else in IDW? I don't, actually. Okay. Uh, I think I'm good, too. So over to Marvel.
2: All right. It's a rare thing that we begin the Marvel catalog without Chris with us.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I will immediately go to the preview pages that are shown, and the issue is Empire X-Men number one and two of four co-written by Teeny Howard and Jonathan Hickman and issue two is Jerry Duggan Benjamin Percy and Leah Williams and alien plants versus mutant zombies I'm in <laughs> baby <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah just when you think you can sit out another marvel event they come up with a hook for you
0: i love it the uh the, the the preview the not exactly a preview image but uh the the back and forth between professor xavier and magneto had me cracking up eric is this is this real as real as you and i charles <laughs>
1: yes
2: which is not at all to be technical but exactly <laughs> we don't we can't expect them to know that
0: yeah oh uh, god I, I i like i would have had no interest in this whatsoever had they not just made that cover text that much fun so yeah i'm i'm, I'm down
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah it's interesting how they uh, solicit that before the third issue of the actual empire tentpole miniseries yep yeah i, I
0: guess i guess they is- figured since that's issue three and this is issue one uh that took precedent
2: well, yeah, but there's plenty of other uh, tie-in miniseries that are debuting in May or True. are scheduled to anyway. Hmm. But it just that it it, it just speaks to the kind of confidence Marvel has in this creative team oh, yeah. and the appeal that they're sure that this particular tie-in miniseries is going to have. Absolutely, they think yeah. this might outsell the actual main miniseries, yep. and they may be right about that.
0: Very good point.
2: Uh, as for said main miniseries, uh, to answer Chris's earlier question, I am probably going to do what I usually do with these events and read. Just the main Tenpole miniseries. I mean, it's being co written by Al Ewing and Dan Slott. Yep. And it's basically a very distant sequel to the Kree Scroll War. So it's. Yeah, I don't think I can afford to ignore it completely.
0: I will direct you, sir, speaking of not being able to, uh, to ignore it completely, to page 12.
2: I knew you were going to do that, Ian, and yes, I, they got me. Dang it. They... <laughs>
0: uh, it's Mark Wade writing Squadron Supreme. I mean, come on. <laughs>
2: It's like they genetically engineered the perfect comic <laughs> antibody to consume both of
0: us Ian. Seriously. Ugh.
2: X-Men for you and Mark Wade Empire Squadron Supreme for me. I will buy those two issues.
0: Oh man. I, I'm i I'm actually really upset that Paco Medina is not doing the art on the on the interior, because damn is that a fine cover.
2: It is, it is, but I'm sure Dionneves Neves will do a fine job
0: on the interiors too. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. <laughs> Uh, as for the rest of Empire a uh, bunch of Jim's, Jim Zub stuff for the Avengers that'll probably wind up skipping uh, Ed Brisson on Empire Ghost Rider which is interesting and uh, I think that's just regular Ghost Rider as opposed to Celestial Ghost Rider
1: uh, which they've yeah.
0: throwing around but we do have uh, and I think I might have m- mentioned the first issue uh, when it was solicited but uh, Taryn Killam is writing the Empire Spider-Man miniseries, uh, Taron Killam, formerly of Saturday Night Live.
2: Uh, I, I was just going to say, I've been watching a few things on YouTube that I'm pretty sure he was in.
0: Yep. Uh, did you Did you ever watch Nobody's Watching?
2: Uh, no, I never did.
0: Nobody's Watching. You can find on YouTube. It's in. It's a unaired pilot um, that really should have aired. Uh, it, ha- it had all the makings to be a terrific show. And it's uh essentially two guys uh living their lives as if they're inside of a sitcom. Um it's it's sort of like almost like a Truman Show esque setup um that works really, really well. And it was Taron Killam and let me see who else was in it. But I know that it was uh it was uh oh the guy who did Scrubs uh was, was, was the man who uh who created uh, Bill Lawrence. Um, and it was, yeah, it was Taron Killam and Paul Campbell, I believe was the, it was the other dude. And they even wound up doing like a bunch of, uh, like online videos at one point to try and like revive the concept. Uh, but it never got past the online video stage and then eventually he got signed to SNL and the rest, as they say, is history. So been a fan of him since then and happy to see him, uh, stretching his, uh, his creative chops a little bit in the world of comic books.
2: Yeah, and jumping right into the Marvel Universe in the middle of an event, no less.
0: Yep. Definitely. It's
2: hardcore. Mm
0: hmm. Yep. So, may have to check that out at some point. Probably when it's on the uh, Marvel Unlimited uh, app. So There you go. Yep.
2: And uh, something else that they're saying is uh, loosely tied into the Empire event, uh, but is interesting in its own right, is this on pages 18 and 19 uh, The Union a five-issue miniseries featuring a new team of British heroes based in the Marvel Universe, Hmm. uh, written by an actual British person, Paul Griffst, uh, who also uh, brought us the Jack Staff series and Mudman and Kane and uh, some Judge Dredd stories and a bunch of other stuffies an authentic uh, British import. And uh, this new team consists of the well-known Union Jack character and a bunch of other characters, I think, that are making their first appearance um, for, for this purpose. A uh, female uh, character called Britannia, who I guess is supposed to be like the, the embodiment of the, the spirit of Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting to see her uh, clash with the new Betsy bredock Captain Britain, mm-hmm. and some other characters named Snakes, The Choir, and Kelpie. So that's if you're a fan of uh, Paul Grist's uh, earlier work uh, through Image and elsewhere. Um, he's doing something for Marvel here, uh, a team of new uh, British Marvel characters. I
0: uh, I hope this is uh, just as good as Paul Cornell's uh, Captain Britain and MI-13, because that's kind of the, the vibe that I get even thinking about it. Uh, maybe a little bit more mystical of a series uh, than, uh, than we'd normally get out of superheroes. Yeah.
2: And uh, Paul Grist has kind of a different uh, sensibility about his work than Paul Cornell does. It tends to be a little uh, grittier and more down to earth. But we will see.
0: Mm -hmm. We shall see indeed. Uh, Return of the new Fantastic Four in uh, Fantastic Four number 22. As uh, we get Hulk, Wolverine, Ghost Rider, and Spider-Man back together again.
2: Okay, there's your Paco Medina interiors.
0: Yes, indeed. (laughs)
2: And if you're uh, curious about uh, the art of Nick Bradshaw, who's drawing that Bermuda miniseries for IDW, here's a bigger uh, example because he's drawing the cover for this issue and uh, looks good.
0: It does. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Bradshaw's Bradshaw's always been very dynamic when it comes to covers, and uh, that's mainly the work he's been doing the past couple of years. So uh, outside of the interior work that we mentioned, that's where you'll find him. Right. So that's
2: just one more reason I'm excited for Bermuda to see, you know, four full issues worth of his stuff. Yep.
0: How about that cover for X-Men number 11 on page 21? Uh, Lionel Francis U. all those skulls with uh, Magneto and that striking pose.
2: Yeah, it's odd that he's taken to wearing white nowadays.
0: Yeah, he's been, he's been that way since the Bendis run. Um, it, it works for him, but at the same time, I do, I do miss the purple.
2: Yeah, well, maybe he's trying to stress that he's uh, on the side of the angels these days. Yeah, at least in his own mind.
0: It's better than having a giant M on his chest, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that that was a phase he went through, folks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Back when Look he was
0: uh, the head of the uh, the New Mutants. Well, the headmaster, at oh, least. Like, that's right. I wasn't
2: even thinking of that time, but yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was thinking even even further back. <laughs> Yeah. At, uh, the period of uh, John Byrne's X Men: The Hidden Years. He had uh, kind of an orange outfit with uh, strange wrist units and tubes attached to them, and I oh, think there God. was an M in there somewhere too.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good point on that one. Yeah. <laughs> now nah, I've been uh, once once again picking up Jane Miles. Explain the X Men uh, for my uh, my my X Men uh, history needs, and dear God, I ma- I made it to the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> they just had yeah. the the introduction of cable in the episode that i that i was listening to and uh that was that was a thing
2: <laughs> <laughs> it sure was a big veiny tiny footed thing oh yeah all right now uh for a little while there you know before uh this um before the United States got more serious about the coronavirus situation and my play got postponed, Mm -hmm. Um, it was looking like I wasn't going to be able to participate in this episode, and Ian asked me to send in any things that I wanted uh, uh, him to highlight in my name in this episode. The first thing I thought of uh, was uh, the miniseries being promoted on uh, pages 24 through 27. Oh, yeah. Uh, A five-issue juggernaut miniseries, Brought to you by legendary ex-scribe Fabian Nicieza and legendary artist Ron Garney. Uh, five issues of and Marco. I love the, the the art we're seeing here. It's a villain-centric miniseries. A um, couple of great creators. I'd love to see Fab Nick do uh, you know, a Cain Marco solo story. And uh, here I will. This this miniseries is going to be unstoppable.
0: Uh, I, I adore the fact that it's Nicieza and Garney. Uh, they, I... Pretty sure they've worked together a couple times in the past, uh, possibly even for Marvel, but Garney is the perfect artist to draw Juggernaut, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm in on this. This is going to be great. Yeah. I even love the logo design. They
2: managed to incorporate the Crimson Gem of Ciderac
0: into it. Nice. Yep. Yeah, right there, right there, on, right there on the R. <laughs> yeah, that is a definite buy. Yep. Giant-size X-Men Phantom X number one. Uh, by Hickman and Rod Reese. didn't didn't know that Phantom X was going to be one of the characters he was going to be focusing on. But well, here he is, and <laughs> I will be picking this up because it's straight up Hickman, and it's that crazy ass character Phantom X. <laughs> noth, right, nothing said. Hickman
2: really. playing with one of Morrison's favorite toys. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, and and the man that. Uh, through the process of uh, Rick Remender's uh, X-Force series gave us uh, a young child version of Apocalypse so (laughs) he's done a lot of fun stuff over the years (laughs) got a bunch of ongoing series that we discussed already on page what's the actual page number 34 speaking of giant size X-Men Giant size X Men tribute to Ween and Cockrum, number one. If anybody deserves a a, a tribute issue, it's it's Len Ween and Dave Cockrum, and and this and this issue is going to going to go ahead and do that with thirty seven of Marvel's top artists coming together to recreate the epic story. Uh, I think this was one of the ones that uh, that that uh, that Chris mentioned. Uh, before, you are correct before he headed out, but this it, it deserves a second mention just for. How cool a concept it is and that recreation of the Giant Size X Men number one cover. I know it's a I know it's a variant, but damn <laughs> they may get me to buy it. Who drew that image? Is that uh... They're not even making that clear. Uh I variant cover by T B A, they say, even though that's clearly by somebody so right it's
2: existing art and uh, whoever yeah. drew it signed it but uh, um, I don't know what like I don't know how to decipher the signature
0: that's not McGinnis is it because I they, they they mentioned his name in the in the solicitation as well oh
2: you know what I bet that's the main cover by Adi Grano
0: oh there we go yes good point yeah yeah because that's definitely his style the, uh, the the pre-rendered style yeah good point good catch all righty what else we got
2: uh, well, under the heading of uh, Marvels, uh, paid on uh, page 62 and 63, now Marvel's been doing, uh, or they or they just started doing with uh, the first one on uh, Namor the Submariner, um, the series of Marvel's snapshot one-shots, mm-hmm. uh, which are uh, conceived of by Kurt Busiek with a, a s- series of uh, artistic uh, collaborators. Let's see, on 62, we've got an Iron Man story, uh, co-written by Busiek and Barbara Randall Kiesel, Art by Staz Johnson, and uh, a Spider-Man uh, one-shot uh, co-written uh, by Music with Howard Chaykin, art by Chaykin, uh, all undercovers by who else? Alex Ross, and uh, yeah, I'm planning to buy every one of these that they put out.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to resist, isn't it? You bet it is. <laughs> I, I do we do we mention Strange Academy at any point on the show?
2: I, I, th- um, I think we did. We might have when the first issue was solicited. Yeah. Um, interesting fact. Um, when Pants and I were uh, most recently in uh, the studio, mm-hmm. uh, like, I guess it was the same night that uh, Chris and Shane showed up. Yeah. Um, we found that uh, Marvel – somebody at Marvel still has, has not lost our contact information yet because they actually sent us uh, an exclusive variant edition of Strange Academy number one. Wow. As was like a promo press copy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so somebody over there still knows and likes us, I guess.
0: Okay, well, that's uh, thank thank them for that because my God, that's that's Scotty Young and, and and Umberto Ramos. Like that's I I I you can't sleep on that. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, Whew.
2: man! Oh yeah, man, it's it's basically uh, Hogwarts in the Marvel Universe. It's it's essentially, <laughs> yeah, school for young Marvel Universe mages.
0: Yep, if anybody's going to do that, uh, Scotty's the one to do it. Okay. Uh, scrolling down. Many more of these one-shots. Spider-Man 1 with as uh, Howard Chaykin and Kurt Busiek with art by Howard Chaykin for Spider-Man Marvel snapshots on page 63. Here's something. Larry Hama. Back on Wolverine, but it's not Wolverine. It's I Wolverine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, part of the Marvel 2020 event. I see. Yep,
0: 2020 iWolverine Wolverine number one, written by Larry Hama and, and art by Roland Bashi. Uh, hmm. it. I, I wonder, is that Albert? You think?
2: Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The text says uh, it's the return of LCD and Albert, the robot Wolverine. Oh, yeah. So wow. naturally. Hama comes back to do something, and he immediately goes right back to the characters he was writing, you know, 20 years ago when he was doing Wolverine. Go figure. (laughs) Closer to 30 years ago now. Jeez. Yep. (laughs) Whatever
0: works.
2: (laughs) All right. Part of uh, Nick Spencer's run on Amazing Spider-Man on pages 68 and 69, The Return of the Sin Eater and Spidey versus a version of The Lethal Legion. Uh, which appears to include, uh, and I may be wrong about this, uh, the Gray Gargoyle, Whirlwind, Graviton, or maybe it's Count Nefaria and um, Pink Helmet Guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not sure which classic Marvel villain that is, but I'm sure it's a classic something. Uh,
0: <laughs> it looks really familiar, but I'm not placing it. That's I hate when that happens. But yeah, that's really cool cover there too by uh, by Jose Maria uh, Casanovas
2: yeah, I've uh, kind of been taking infrequent dips into Spencer's run depending on which uh, classic villains he's addressing and uh, mm. this may be one of those dips I mean he's bringing back the Sin Eater and this time he's displaying uh, an NYPD badge proudly on his belt mm. and uh, as part of that it's Spidey versus Sin Eater versus the Lethal Legion and uh, yeah I think that's a confrontation I want to read
0: yeah, certainly sounds like it should be fun Marvel Tales Hellstrom number one on page 82 uh, Gary Frederick, John Warner and Warren Ellis with Tom Sutton, Jim Moody and Leonardo uh, Manco on art and a uh, bunch of reprints here uh, Son, of mm-hmm. Son of Satan number one Hellstrom Prince of Lies number 12 uh, but I think there might also be a uh, at least one new story in there as well
2: into Son of Satan for some reason. Um, is there any project in the works in other media for uh, Damon Hellstrom? As far as you know, Ian? Uh,
0: there was a Hulu series in the works, but I don't know whether or not it got canned with everything else. Because um, uh, that was uh, you know one of the things that was in the pipeline. But I, I, I think it may have been too far along for them to stop it. So this that series may still be coming out in at least a, one season on Hulu. So that's probably why they're they're made, they're mentioning his name here.
2: Well, I hope uh, we get to see it sometime.
0: Yep. Well, a couple of uh,
2: timely uh, facsimile editions. On page 74, a uh, reprint of Amazing Spider Man number 101 with the first Morbius versus the uh, six armed Spider Man. Interesting <laughs> time in uh, Peter's life, that was. Yep. And on page 82, here, uh, right underneath the aforementioned Marvel Tales Hellstrom, we've got uh, a reprint of Werewolf by Night number 32, which is the first Moon Knight. Nice.
0: Moon Knight uh, will be getting a series on Disney Plus at some point, if I remember correctly.
2: Mm -hmm. That will be cool to see. I know a couple of geeks who will probably be watching. Oh, yeah. And Moon Knight is also uh, figuring in the uh, current, well, uh, soon-to-be-current storyline in Avengers, as seen on page 83, The Age of Khonshu. Nice. The Avengers find themselves in kind of a Kulan Gath scenario, except this time with Moon Knight. And uh, the and uh, uh, ancient Egypt uh, rising from history and overrunning modern day New York.
0: So I I can go all the way down to page ninety six. So if you got anything else in between there, be my guest.
2: I don't believe I do. So take it away, Ian.
0: Okay, Chip Sadarsky, Chris Sprouse, Daredevil Annual Number One, with a cover by Chip Sadarsky that is frickin' gorgeous of uh Matt Murdock in the uh, in the boxing gear uh ready to fight and it's weirdly titled one more day.
2: Ah. <laughs> yes, there's a great deal of uh, uh <laughs> s- significance attached to that to those three words yeah. in the Marvel universe. So I'm hoping and, you know, it means he gets- I'm glad you mentioned that, Ian, because I hadn't noticed Chris Sprouse was doing the art. Uh, you may have at least convinced me to give that a look on the shelf.
0: Nice. Yeah i I don't think that's the one more day they're going for, but Marvel should kind of know better to ever use that term again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's radioactive half life has not yet elapsed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, I think this is one more time in the boxing ring for him. Uh, To to try and perhaps, uh, uh, you know, since his father was one, uh, maybe go in there and face one of his father's old rivals or something like that. But I guess we're going to find out.
2: Mm. Or maybe they are leaning right into the significance of that. Maybe Mephisto is actually offering Matt Murdock a deal of some kind that he may or may not accept. Oh, boy. We'll just have to find out.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I hope that's not the case. Me too. (laughs) Uh... How to read comics the Marvel way, number two on page one hundred one. Most awesome cover ever. The end.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty cool.
0: Yep. Spider Man in the middle of the, in the middle panel there. Little help.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't really have any Star Wars things to point out, so I think I'm just mm-hmm. going to go ahead and scroll down into the trades.
2: Sounds good to me.
0: The Marvel Art of Adam Kubert is on the first trade page of 112, and talk about a man who has done pretty much everything over at Marvel. Uh, this is going to collect uh, some of his uh, Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four, Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine, and Avengers vs. X-Men, and his Wolverine and Uncanny X-Men stuff. The man's a great artist, and he's had a illustrious career, and here's a whole bunch of it for you in one hardcover. Hmm.
2: Uh, Was it Adam who drew the uh, Mark Wade Kazar series, or was that his brother Andy?
0: I think that was Andy, uh, but Mm. do not quote me on that. Sometimes I have a very hard time keeping track of which one was which.
2: Mm, Yeah, (laughs) and uh, I I definitely do also.
0: Yeah, let's see. Maybe the internet will tell me if I put in Kazar and Cooper. Who did you say the writer was on that one? Uh, It was Mark Wade. It was Mark Wade. That's what I thought. Okay, that was Andy Cooper. Okay. Got a new printing of the Infinity Gauntlet Omnibus. Mm-hmm.
2: Always worth a mention every time they do it. Mm-hmm. In hardcover uh, form. And on the very next page, uh, the material in this collection is not that inspired, but the title is Omnibus, Volume 3, Hardcover.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, this is stuff from the late 90s, early 2000s. Oh,
0: yeah. It sure is. It sure <laughs> is. <laughs> not the best
2: time in Venom's history. And in my opinion, not the best time in Marvel history. But that's just one man's opinion.
0: Yeah. Tons of good stuff in there, but a lot of so-so. <laughs> War of Realms uh, omnibus hardcover coming out as well. So anybody who uh, slept on that and wants it in giant size form, this will be one way to do it. And it's going to include a bunch of the tie-ins as well to try and... Uh, flesh out the story a little bit.
2: Ah, something that uh, may be of interest uh, to Marvel Cinematic Universe fans in the near future, on pages 118 and 119. Yep. The Eternals, the complete saga omnibus hardcover. Collecting a whole mess of Jack Kirby's Eternals. Uh, written and drawn by Jack Kirby himself, and by uh, a slew of his successors. Mm-hmm. So, 19 issues of the Eternals on, uh, ongoing. Uh, from '76 on, a, a twelve-issue Eternals maxi series uh, from 1985-86, um, a couple of one-shots, a uh, storyline from the Avengers series uh, from the uh, I think I think early '80s uh, Roger Stern run, uh, even some what-if stories. <laughs> nice, seven issues worth. So yeah, yeah, and of all of this wrapped around a really beautiful Alex Ross cover featuring uh, six of the most important Eternals characters right there front and center and uh, some of the more minor Eternal and Deviant players uh, shown down below. Yeah. God, that's gorgeous.
0: That coloring make easily makes that one of my favorite pieces of Alex Ross art ever. It's just so striking and uh, the poses are great. It's it's so beautiful.
2: Yeah, so everything you need to know and more for the upcoming film. You know, this this is the material.
0: And then uh, anybody who's looking forward to the Morbius uh, series has a Preludes and Nightmares trade paperback to look forward to to catch up on a whole bunch of his stuff over the years. From mm. the likes of Roy Thomas, Jerry Conway, Mike Friedrich, uh, Joe Keating and Dan Slott, and uh, pencils by Gil Kane, Ross Andrew, Paul Gillesi, uh Marco Cicchetto, and Valentin DeLando.
2: Interesting selection of the stuff here. Uh, Interesting in what it omits as much as in what it includes. Mm. It's basically just his first couple of appearances in Amazing Spider-Man. We mentioned that his first appearance has a facsimile edition this same month. Uh, But also uh, two issues of Marvel team-up he was in, a random issue of Fear, in which Man-Thing also headlined for a time, and Amazing Spider-Man (laughs) 699.1. Of all the Morbius stories they could have collected, that's what they go with.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I guess, I guess maybe maybe that's an origin issue. Uh, that's the only thing I, that I can think of because a lot of those one issues were like time travel esque, like they were you know like missing pieces to uh, to, to characters. Mm. So maybe that's what that gotcha. was. Yeah. Well, anybody who picks up that uh, that trade and wants to tell us, go ahead and go to the super group. Mm-hmm. Yes. Alright, we got uh, Symbiote Spider-Man Alien Reality Trey Paperback by uh, by David by Peter David and Greg Land. Uh, I'm in for the Peter David. I'm eh, I'm the Greg Land, but I'll live because it's Peter David. <laughs> right,
2: exactly. Yep, more uh, stor- untold tales of the black suit Spider-Man.
0: hmm yep. And then the collection of the X-Men Fantastic Four miniseries that we discussed in previous previews uh, by, by Chip Zdarsky and Terry Dotson. On sale in June.
2: Right. The X-Men want Franklin Richards to live on Krakoa with all the other mutants. The Fantastic Four want him to stay with his family. There's your conflict. And Zdarsky and Dodson just go to town from there.
0: Yeah, pretty good conflict.
2: (laughs) Yeah. we can get four issues out of that easily.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, page 126, we've got a collection of the, the first arc of uh, Mark Wade and Kev Walker's Dr. Strange, Surgeon Supreme. New chapter in uh, D- Stephen Strange's life as he uh, gets back into medicine while continuing to act as mystic protector of the earthly plane. It's Mark Wade. I mean, it's it's going to be good stories no matter what.
0: Yeah, it is, and his, Dr. And his Strange is good stuff in general.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, and this is a really good angle for him to explore. I've been liking it.
0: Now, on, on page one forty-one, uh, they have a they have the cover for Fantastic Four, Volume Five, Point of Origin, and I know it's not intentional, but because of the way Invisible Woman's costume is ripped, I am getting so many flashbacks to the nineties. <laughs> oh yes,
2: <laughs> I absolutely see what you mean.
0: Back when she had the, uh, the, the the costume with the missing shoulders and the uh, cut out four on her chest.
2: Right. Like the peekaboo cleavage window cut out of the letter. Yeah. Yep. I keep looking up to the thing and expecting to see that pot on his head.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. The uh, the mask he was wearing because he had those Wolverine slashes on his face.
2: Right. And they got uh, super infected. And he
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. If we ever get around to doing the spotlight on the Fantastic Four in the 90s, which Chris has been avoiding doing for <laughs> nearly a decade now, yeah, that's well, no, I, I exaggerate. It's more like half a decade, but still. If we ever do get around to doing that, we'll talk all about Peekaboo, Sue Storm, and uh, Helmet Head
0: thing. Hey, whether I whether I like it or not, that's where I started reading Fantastic Four was right around the time that, uh, that Reed and Doom, quote-unquote, died – so I have I have some insight <laughs> that I can share on that. <laughs> so issue.
2: do I Ian, because yeah. I started reading only about maybe half a year before that.
0: Yep. So. so there we go.
2: We 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 both received the same early fandom trauma.
0: Yeah, we'll, go, we'll, we'll poke him in the side enough times and then eventually uh, he'll have to give in and and do do the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: maybe we can get Danny to come back for that because I think she had volunteered to provide some 90s insight of her own. Heck yeah. Page 145, you've got a trade of the recent uh, Peter Porker the Spectacular Spider-Ham Apocalypse Now <laughs> <laughs> miniseries uh, written by Zeb Wells and some great art by uh, one Will Robson. Uh, along with Nick Bradshaw, he's a guy whose uh, artwork at Marvel really um, activated my uh, salivary glands uh, within recent years. I, I love his stuff. And uh, here he is drawing uh, more uh, funny animals than uh, normal humans, and that's perfectly
0: fine. Slice of mid eighties action on page one forty seven. Acts of Vengeance Marvel Universe trade paperback, uh, a, a companion to the Acts of Vengeance Avengers trade paperback. Uh, but it's, I mean, the writing is like so mid eighties uh, Marvel. That's you know pretty much everybody who worked for the for them back then. You know Walt Simonson, Peter David, Mike Barron, Carl Potts, Chuck Dixon, and Ascenti Terry Austin, Dwayne McDuffie, Roy Thomas, and and Dan Thomas. And then pencils by Rich Buckler, Ron Lim, uh, Jeff Pervase, Bill Reinhold, Jim Lee, Sal Valudo, Ramita Jr., Ernie Colon, and Butch Geis. That's a lot of good names.
2: Yeah. That's... It is a favorite event concept of mine. I haven't read very many Acts of Vengeance issues, but the basic idea is uh, a bunch of Marvel villains uh, got together and decided, hey, why don't we try trading dancing partners and fighting heroes we don't normally fight? And so that was the whole crossover. It's just uh, Marvel heroes fighting villains that they don't normally come up against, yep. being tested in new ways and usually succeeding anyway. Yep. And uh, the big backstory was there was a cabal of uh, really heavy hitter Marvel villains who were uh, behind all of this. Loki was one of them, and he was kind of pulling strings uh, for reasons of his own. <laughs> and uh, in, the Mar- in the CGS studio, uh, thanks to Matt, uh, he was in kind of a library binding phase Uh, near the beginning of Comic Geek Speak, and uh, he ended up dumping all of his library-bound volumes of Marvel and DC events in the studio. Nice. And uh, Acts of Vengeance is there. But for those of you not lucky enough to have such a handy resource, uh, you could do worse than to pick up the uh, Marvel trades of the Acts of Vengeance event. There were some fun, very early 90s stories in there.
0: In a a way, that's also the setup for uh, the Old Man Logan uh, series. As eventually, you know, the, all the villains, you know, get together and they're like, hey, we could probably defeat all the heroes if we just go ahead and team up for once. And uh, that time they were a bit more successful. Framewashing <laughs> <laughs> Wolverine to kill everybody is a good way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Another uh, Daredevil epic collection. Uh, this one has more Anacenti-era uh, uh, Daredevil being released this month as well on page 150. Last Rites is the collection, volume 15 in, in the Daredevil Epic Collections.
2: On page 153, we've got a good companion to the uh, Empire crossover. Avengers, live Cree or die. It's uh, a bunch of latter-day uh, clashes between the Avengers and uh, the Cree Empire. It'll, they're not going to go so far as to collect the entire uh, Operation Galactic Storm crossover in here, but it's some of the fallout from that. Uh, including the um, Live, Cre, or Die eponymous uh, crossover that ran through a few uh, post-Heroes Reborn Marvel titles in uh, the late 90s.
0: And speaking of Heroes Reborn... Oh, I wish I hadn't. The collection that no one wanted on page (laughs) 154, written by Rob Liefeld, uh, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Jeff Loeb, James Robinson, Jim Lee, Walter Simonson, and more... Some great names in there, and uh, penciled by Liefeld, Ugh. Joe <laughs> Bennett, Ed Bennis, Brett Booth, Ron Lim, Michael Ryan, Terry Schumacher, and more, with a cover by Rob Liefeld, but it's not that cover, and I wish they had the balls to just use that cover. Use the the giant breast Captain America cover by Rob Liefeld, all right? just I know it was a promotional image, it never wound up on a comic, but... It's the image you think of when you think of Rob Liefeld, Captain America.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they they don't seem to have the guts.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You're right. Uh, Very few people wanted this collection, including probably some of the big names were actually responsible for it.
0: I I and I, I bring this up whenever I bring up uh, he- Heroes uh, Heroes Reborn uh, that everybody forgets that like the last thing that Heroes Reborn had was a giant like rewriting of the universe where Wildstorm and Marvel were part of the same reality.
2: Oh, I I never forget that that yeah. that, was, that was in the uh, the thirteenth issues yep. of those uh, four series, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it was all written by James Robinson.
2: <laughs> that part I did forget. <laughs>
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was actually a lot of fun, and uh, probably the most fun I had through that through that entire uh, Heroes Were Born uh, run. So go figure. All right, and that's it for Marvel for me. Mm, all right, well, onward to um, Dynamite. Right, right. Okay. Yep, and
2: Dynamite is leading with that Sacred Six uh, Vamparella spinoff that Chris mentioned. Is basically another one of those bizarre character mashups that uh, Dynamite likes to do, but this time it's being written by priests, so <laughs> I have nothing to say against it.
0: How about the, how about the cover for uh, for the Boys Dear Becky number two on page one seventy six? <laughs> the the, wa- the Wally West esque uh, uh, Kid Flash character with uh, yes. a plug in his mouth or whatever the yep. hell that is.
2: It looks like somebody fed him a crowbar.
0: Yeah, there we go. That probably makes more sense. <laughs> uh, Wally West just can't catch a break
2: mm, I know I know <laughs>
0: <laughs> no no that's not Wally West that's uh Eric East yeah hmm.
2: <laughs> I don't think I have much else to mention at Dynamite right now I'm still buying Priests of Vamperella, of course
0: yeah uh I think I'm pretty good too so let's go ahead and move on <laughs>
2: Okay. To boom.
0: To boom, it is. Okay. Starting off with, on uh, page, what was it I was looking at here? Here we go. A thief among the trees. in ember in the ashes. It's very, very, uh, very quotable. Uh, it sounds actually sounds more like a like a book you'd find uh, at the uh, supermarket checkout than than a, than a comic in some ways. But I uh, like hmm. I like the. I like the ...general look of it. It's by uh, Sabah Tahir and Nicole Edelfinger on page 200. New York Times bestselling author Sabah Tahir joins writer Nicole Edelfinger and artist uh, Sonia Lau for an all-new original graphic novel introducing the dangerous world of an ember in the ashes to new readers and revealing an untold story of Elias and Helene's beginnings at Blackcliff Academy. In the stirring standalone chapter in this series is mythology. So this is an this is a a, a Archaea book that existed for a while. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, um, yeah.
2: It's well, the way they're describing it makes it sound like we're kind of they're inserting this into the middle of a series,
0: right? Exactly. Yeah. But uh, like the look of the art, and uh, this is in some ways an origin of uh, of sorts. So maybe this might be something worth picking up if you didn't, didn't check out the other stuff.
2: And if you happen to be a fan of the uh, An Ember in the Ashes prose books, it should be of special interest to you. Mm -hmm. uh, a little less so to those of us who didn't know that the series existed until we read this.
0: Exactly. Yep. And then, of course, on 204, Something is Killing the Children, Volume 1.
2: Mm -hmm. Yep, which uh, did get uh, some love from the voters uh, or nominators in the uh, Best of 2019 Awards process. Excellent.
0: We have not forgotten about you folks by the way that that will be forthcoming.
2: Oh, yes. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. We probably would have uh, gotten to you this week uh, if I'd known that um, all this uh, coronavirus cancellations were going to happen and that I would have uh, uh, that I would be able to participate in recordings this yeah. week. But uh, we'll yes, you will soon learn the winners of the Best of 2019 awards.
0: Yes, sure will. Anything else, of boom. Well, here's
2: a okay, the soft cover edition of uh, an interesting looking uh, OGN, written and drawn by oh, well, written by Matt Kent, illustrated by Matt Smith. Excuse me. On page two thirteen, it's called Folklords, and it's about uh, uh the everyday life of a young man named Ansel uh, who's uh, who lives in a world of magic and monsters, uh, but who dreams, fantasizes even of a much more to us realistic world of. Uh, well-pressed suits and modern technology. So it's kind of a funhouse mirror version of fantasy escapism, you know, taking that idea and turning it inside out. A kid who lives in a world of fantasy and who dreams of technology. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so there it is uh, for seventeen ninety nine on page
0: 213. Nice. And I found something else at Boom on page 216. Because, of course, I had to mention the Bill and Ted box set Along with the Bill and Ted archive, <laughs> now the Bill-
3: excellent uh,
0: <laughs> Bill and Ted box set collects uh, the uh, Bill and Ted Go to Hell, Bill and Ted's Most Triumphant Return, and Bill and Ted Save the Universe uh, by Brian Lynch and Brian Jones, and jo- I think it is Jones, Brian jo- or Joins, uh, and illustrated by Jerry Gaylord and Bachan, and the Bill and Ted archive is some classic Evan Dorkin stuff uh, which was at the time uh, released I think under Marvel if I remember correctly I believe you do yep and uh, this is the entire 11 series run of uh, 11 issue run of Bill and Ted's excellent comic book uh, by by Evan Dorkin written and illustrated by and uh, that that is definitely worth picking up uh, that's a advanced solicit uh, being released on June in June of 2020. Uh, the uh, Bill & Ted box set comes out sooner on May 13th.
2: Mm. In the fine print for the archive, apparently there's also some work by uh, the Robbie Bush, Stephen DeStefano of Amazing Man, mm. and uh, the legendary Marie Severin in there.
0: Nice! Yeah.
2: I know this series is an all-time favorite of our good friend uh, Fred Chow. Yes. Yes. He's, uh out on the west coast these days, so we're thinking about you, Fred. And uh, he—he's one of—he's probably the biggest fan that the uh, Bill and Ted's excellent comic book ever had. <laughs> and uh, he—he's approached uh, Dorkin with this stuff uh, and conventions, and Dorkin, of course, rebuked him for it because Dorkin likes to rebuke people.
0: Yep, been there, in general, And he's just like, oh, that,
2: that, I can't, you like this stuff? I thought that's some of my worst work ever, and so on and so forth. But well, Fred Chow uh, begs to differ.
0: Yeah, no, that's. I'm happy to see it re- uh, re- uh, recollected in one form or another because even if it's not the uh, creator's favorite, it's still a piece of history.
2: Yes, it is. And Bill and Ted are going to be uh, relevant again pretty soon from what I understand.
0: Yep. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if that movie also gets pushed back a little bit because I think they were also still in the process of filming. But I know... Uh I think originally, although actually, no, I'm sorry, I I may be confusing that with another Keanu Reeves piece, because I think originally, yes, that's what it was, Uh, the next John Wick was supposed to come out the same day as the fourth Matrix movie, and they had to delay the release of Matrix, I can't believe there's even going to be a fourth Matrix, but it's happening, (laughs) uh, Really? because they were filming, and they had to stop the filming due to the coronavirus, so that's now being delayed along with pretty much every other movie, so go figure.
2: Just the world in which we all suddenly find ourselves. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Gabby Rivera's BB Free is uh, being collected. The first four issues on uh, page 218, volume one of that. So if you were waiting on that, it's uh, Gabby Rivera and Royal Dunlap. I just love saying Royal Dunlap. (laughs) She was the writer of uh, Marvel's uh, America series about America Chavez.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm as seen in uh, the young avengers series by Gillen and McKelvey.
0: Yep. And she she also has written a bunch of books, I know. So.
2: Eh, well, I've got nothing else for boom, do you?
0: Uh, let's g- Let's keep it rolling onward to the rest of the book, which I think is going to be pretty light for me because uh nothing quite caught my eye this month, but I'll uh, I'll will see what I what I did mar- earmark.
2: It kind of seems that way to me too. Uh, First thing of interest for me is under Aftershock, pages 244 and 245, a new series called uh, Sympathy for No Devils. Number one uh, by Brandon Thomas and Lee Ferguson. It's about Winston Wallace, who is the last surviving human being on a world that's been entirely taken over by uh, demons and monsters and supernatural creatures. And so, of course, he's a monster fighter because there's nothing else for him to fight in this new world but monsters. I'm, I'm gathering that he's some kind of a police officer or peace officer or something like that, and uh, he's there. – there is some definite explanation for why he's – how he's managed to be the only surviving human being in this world of those supernatural beings. <laughs> it's, it's about his ongoing struggle against uh, these supernatural forces, especially when they get out of line and uh, start – take to fighting each other. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, that is something that I will check out.
0: Uh, page 238, uh, these are both, uh, these are both already come out tons of times, but I need to mention them because they're friends of the show, uh, one of which was literally just on the show, and the other one is Katie Cook. Uh, Cash and Carry Volume 1 is resolicited as an essential item. Uh, I think this might be the first time since it was uh, kickstarted that it's being recollected, but I'm not entirely sure about that, so I don't want to put words in uh, Sean's mouth, but... Cash and Carry Volume One, Sleuth Ten Ten, by uh, by uh, J- Julie uh, Speziani and uh, and Sean Pryor with art by Various is solicited on page two thirty eight, and then underneath that, I think this is the first time it's been recollected since it was originally released. Gronk, a monster story graphic novel by katie cook i have that sitting on my shelf it's an adorable adorable graphic novel and uh i'm happy to see gronk back in print
2: mm, yeah me too yeah. i have a couple volumes of gronk i'm guessing that it's this isn't the this isn't like an omnibus or anything it's only 64 pages long
0: yeah this and, this was like sort of like the origin story and then a bunch of others yeah it's
2: about a young woman uh, an artist i'm pretty sure much like Katie herself uh, who lives with uh, a couple of cats a giant Newfoundland dog and a little green monster named Gronk. <laughs> yep,
0: and it is a friendly monster and they are adorable.
2: Oh yes. Yes, It's a Sesame Street worthy monster.
0: I gave my uh, I gave my Gronk doll that I had to uh, to Martha's uh, young 5-year-old uh, cousin and I saw it on the sh- on the uh, couch the other day and I was satisfied. Uh, aftershock has a new one lonely receiver number one zach thompson the writer jen hickman the artist i enjoy jen hickman's work a lot uh katrin vander a lonely video producer buys an artificial intelligence partner that's meant to bond for life after 10 years together her holographic wife suddenly disconnects without a warning breakup drives uh, katrin to the point of near insanity She's alone for the first time in years and reeling from a loss she can't comprehend. Not too distant future story here, and uh, sounds like something that could actually exist in a few years Mm. with how connected we are as a society.
2: People getting into actual romantic relationships with artificial intelligence.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I'm reminded of the uh, movie Her from a few few years ago, which uh, had a similar premise.
2: Yeah, I, I think about that movie off. I never saw it, but uh, I just remember how thought-provoking the, just the core concept was. Yeah. It's,
0: wor- it's worth seeing when you get a chance. It's, uh, it's actually an excellently crafted movie, and it's a not-too-distant future that actually feels realistic in the way people dress and the technology itself. Like, it's not like, you know, super advanced or anything. It just It literally looks like, you know, 20 years from now. I, and I, I like, I like not-too-distant-future stories to manage to pull that off. And it's Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson, so that's right.
2: it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Page 254, under another one of our uh, favorite uh, small publishers, Ahoy Comics. We have the uh, realization of well, one of the concepts uh, showcased in the Steel Cage one-shot. Remember that when uh, people were supposed to read the three features in that series and vote for their favorite and it mm-hmm. would become an Ahoy comic series? Well, yep. it looks like the winner must have been Penultimate Man by Tom Pyre and Alan Robinson. It's the story of an obvious Superman analog uh, who uh, suffers from depression and self-loathing. And uh, he gets uh, a little assistance from his, uh, his Superman robot, basically, an android named anti penultimate Man. So there's, there's something that Pants can add to his vocabulary. He's so fond of penultimate. Anti-penultimate means next to next to last. So there you go. Anti-penultimate <laughs> man uh, is going to try to help his uh, human master, penultimate man, uh, shake his blues.
0: Man, that's, 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 a, that's a lot to say in a sentence.
2: Uh, but
0: somehow i forced it all out of my mouth. Yeah, I'm reminded of Pete and repeat sitting in the boat. Pete fell out. Who was left? Repeat. Okay, sure. Pete and Repeat. <laughs> Uh, page 254 uh, a, uh, a favorite of ours uh, Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man is collected in Trey paperback uh, Tom Pyre on the writing and Peter Krauss and Russell Braun on the art with a cover by Jamal Igel these are the uh, t- uh, stories from before their universe switch as uh, Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man uh, live their lives in their own universes uh, including the free comic book day issue and the miniseries
2: the follow-up to the miniseries that I nominated, The Wrong Earth, which I nominated for Best Miniseries of 2019. And, uh, so this is just a further exploration of the two characters' worlds, and it, uh, it's here in trade paperback. It comes highly recommended by both of us here.
0: Yes, it does.
1: Hmm.
0: Archie, I don't know if I mentioned this the first time around, but there's a Super Duck series by Frank Thierry and Ian Flynn. This is the, uh, the second issue of the four-issue miniseries. But the art style looks very Ducktales, like modern day Ducktales, like the reboot.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No accident that I'm sure.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. But it's uh, you know it's Frank Thierry, so it's, it could be interesting.
2: Yeah, it mentions uh, a certain rich Scottish duck showing up in issue number two. So yeah, they're they're aware of what
0: they're doing here. Yeah, I'm sure his name will be Duck McScurge. <laughs> <laughs> jt krull uh, the first issue out of aspen comics uh of uh soul Fire exiled uh three issue limited series uh jt krull and jordan gunderson uh and like I, th- I think we discussed that uh you know it's nice to see aspen putting out uh things that aren't just art collections and and uh, mm-hmm. collections of their older things and this is uh a good way to do it with uh, with JT um, who I, I've enjoyed his uh, his work in the past, and uh, this is going to be, on uh, you know, hopefully, the beginning of something new for the uh, the Soulfire character. Hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's there is, or at least can be, more to Aspen than just endless Michael Turner retreads. It's true. Yeah. You know, our our friend and listener V Ken Marion has done art for a, a bunch of uh, Aspen publications. Nice and there's something pretty original that has come out from them uh, very infrequently uh called Zoo Hunters which is about a father and son team of cryptid wranglers who travel from planet to planet hunting rare animals for intergalactic zoos um it's by a writer artist named Peter Steigerwald it's a great concept beautifully done but uh like it's like an issue every 3 years Oof. comes
0: out yeah that's bad it's,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it i it is. I'm sorry, it's 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 an example of an uh, an original thing that Aspen's been publishing. I'm just sorry that they're not publishing it more often. That's a shame,
0: yeah. Well maybe people will notice it when it's finally done.
2: <laughs> uh, here's hoping.
0: Yeah. Uh issue three of J. Michael Straczynski's The Resistance, uh, out on uh page two seventy seven as that's as that continues there with uh art by the amazing Mike Diodato Jr. For fans of Doctor Who, on page two eighty-two, uh, looks like they're putting out an audio CD of the of a Donna Noble story. Uh, so it's uh, it's written by by Jacqueline Rayner and uh, starring Catherine Tate as Donna Noble. So that's uh, more more Catherine Tate uh, Donna action for any of you uh, Doctor Who fans out there.
2: I'm assuming Catherine Tate played the character originally. You are correct.
0: Yep. Okay. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was one of uh, one of the, uh, the one of the companions of. Uh, uh, damn it! Uh, he played the Purple Man uh, also. Uh, uh, oh, Christopher Eccleston? No, not, not Eccleston. Next one. Um, oh, dang it! Yeah, uh, David Tennant. David Tennant. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Tonight's not a names night for me. I'm I'm, I'm going to be forgetting every everybody's names, even people that I know very well. But yeah, Dave. Dave, Dave she was one of uh, David Tennant's uh, companions on the show for quite some time, and uh, they had a wonderful rapport going back and forth. Catherine Tate's just a funny woman. Mm-hmm.
2: Pants would probably agree were he here. Mm-hmm.
0: I am continuing to scroll, so be my guest if you have anything else, because got to get past the TNA mm-hmm. and find myself some new stuff.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, there's something that I think Chris would very much like to know about on page 298. It's another one of Garth Ennis' recent string of uh, war comic original graphic novels. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called The String Bags. Uh, It's uh, produced in tandem with artist P.J. Holden. And it's about uh, a group of uh, seaplane pilots of the British Royal Navy, the swordfish crews of early World War II. Yeah, so that's that's more uh, wartime aviation storytelling for Ennis. And uh, I'm sure Chris will want to check that out.
0: Very cool. Yeah, he does love his wartime, doesn't
2: he? Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris and Garth Ennis both.
0: Mm -hmm. Got another uh, uh, Hark a Vagrant collection, uh, Kate Beaton's uh, Strip Comic on page 300. Always been a fan of that stuff. And this one, Step Aside Pops, a Hark a Vagrant collection. really like the art on page 306 for Eight Lane Runaways. Uh, by, by Henry uh, McCazuland out of Fantagraphics. Uh, it's uh, coming out in May. Uh, Eight Lane Runaways is unlike any graphic novel you've ever read. I guess I'll be the judge of that. Uh, it is a fantastical <laughs> world of endless tracks where one runner relies on her poncho to give her direction. Another deals with a suddenly missing appendage. There's also Algebra Dogs, a Juice Institute, and a helping network that consists of miles of strings that provide that no matter how far apart, the friends you can rely on are the ones you met while pacing life's twisty, turny trails.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it does look graphically different from any graphic novel I've personally ever read. Oh, yeah. It's relying so much on overhead, uh, uh, like, aerial... Uh, perspective visuals Yeah. Of so many of the characters and uh, and the paths that they tread <laughs> and it looks almost like inspired by uh, oh,
0: video game graphics. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 intrigued, and I I I would love to know what a Juice Institute is. So that's uh, <laughs> I'll have to read to find out. <laughs>
2: I'd like to submit my application to become a resident.
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
2: On page 308, we've got uh, the 25th anniversary edition of Howard Cruz's Stuck Rubber Baby, coming out from First Second Books, which is a tale of uh, race and uh, sexuality uh, in uh, 1960s Alabama. And I can remember reading about Stuck Rubber Baby um, early on in my life as a comic collector in the comic shop newsletter that used to get... uh, stuck in with your weekly comics purchases at your local comic shop. (laughs) And it was one of my first uh, encounters with indie or art comics, just uh, the comics that didn't directly involve superheroes. And it's kind of sobering to me to realize that that was indeed 25 years ago.
0: That's, yeah, time flies, my friend, time flies. Mm, that it do. (laughs) Well, I got something for the youngins on 315. Bone Adventures, Volume 1, Finder's Keepers, uh, written and drawn, of course, by the one and only Jeff Smith. And uh, this one uh, is, is two hilarious tales to delight beginning readers. Uh, it's the Bone Cousins, as they find a coin, Finder's Keepers, but the boys can't agree on how to spend it. That sounds sweet and adorable.
2: Yeah, looks like it's uh, the young Bone Cousins.
0: Mm-hmm. Might
2: even take place in Boneville, yeah, it certainly looks that way. Yeah, yeah so that's maybe uh, all age is appropriate, but I mean, heck, it's 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 bone <laughs> it's, it's bone stories, more bone content for the hardcore fan. It's you know whether you're young or old, uh, if you love bone, you should probably buy this.
0: Send out a signal flare to the illustrious founder.
2: <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm sure he will receive that signal too.
0: <laughs> Get a copy and share it with his girls. Oh yeah, no, Deemer's definitely picking that up. On page 321, uh, there's a graphic novel called Act by Kayla Miller. Uh, it's This is part of the Women in Comics uh, uh, branding that they did this month uh, for, uh, for previews. Uh, and uh, how do you know when the person who can make the difference is you? Olive is excited to start sixth, sixth grade, new teachers, new experiences, and a field trip to the big city with their best buds. But when Olive finds out that a school policy is keeping some kids from going on the trip... She decides to act, hence act.
2: Ah, I see what they did there. On mm-hmm. well, that same couple of pages, it looks like Hermes Press is uh, reprinting um, uh, the old uh, paperback novel tie-ins uh, to the Dark Shadows Gothic Soap Opera. Interesting. Apparently, uh, I didn't realize that they had produced Gothic novels to tie into those Gothic Soap Operas, <laughs> but uh, they apparently uh, published 32 of them. Wow. And now they're being reprinted.
0: Well, There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes of that that show, so there had to have been tie-ins eventually, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, so those of you out there who are uh, devoted to that uh, cult classic of television um, and would like to read some prose related to it, uh, you might not have been aware that these things existed either, but Hermes Press knew, and uh, they're giving them back to you, or possibly giving them to you for the first time, so give it a look if you're a fan.
0: Mm -hmm. And speaking of fans... Three twenty-five Ghostbusters art book. So that's uh, yeah. anyone who's a fan of the uh, the old school uh, Ghostbusters movie. Celebrate the legacy of the pop culture classic with a collection of the art behind it.
2: Looks like a fine coffee table book.
0: Yes, indeed. Looking forward to that new movie, if and when it happens. I mean, I know it's happening, but we don't know when.
2: Page three twenty eight um, from the the publisher. It's alive, uh, which is also publishing the continuing adventures of Chuck Dixon's Airboy. On page three twenty seven, I notice uh, we've got a new series called Holler, written and drawn by Jeremy Massey, which is the misadventures of a nineteen nineties grunge garage band living in the Appalachian Mountains of Virginia. Sounds like good grungy fun, and if it weren't five ninety nine for a thirty two page eight by nine comic, I'd probably try the first issue. <laughs>
0: Uh alas. Page three hundred thirty eight. Peng Action Sports Adventure out of Oni Press. Welcome to the All World School of Sportsmanship, where kids from all over train to become the best athletes in the world obsessed with even the most marginal sports. Peng follows students Rocky, Sassy, Ven, and Radley, also known as the Footnucks. Together they will master action-packed fringe sports like kickball, breakdancing, and hacky sack. You had me a kickball.
2: (laughs) And written and drawn by Corey Lewis, who apparently was able to get Warren Ellis to say at least one word (laughs) about his or her work.
0: That's more than the one word he would usually say. So yeah, that's that's a good sign. Yeah. I do like the artwork a lot. It's uh, very... I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it. It's like, sort of like, manga meets Who frame Roger Rabbit. Huh. I'm especially looking at that Jessica Rabbit-esque, uh, you know, pinup on uh, the on the right right side of three
2: thirty nine. Right, I, uh, I see the image you're talking about.
0: Yeah, but I I, I dig it. I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs>
2: well, I do like the title. It's one of the three sacred words guarded by the knights who say NI. NI!
0: PENG A NIWOM! A shrubbery! Alright, and I think that's almost everything until manga for me.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't have that much else uh, to mention myself. Uh, though I actually do have something to mention in manga myself this time, uh, I'm, I'm guessing Excellent. it'll be on your list too. All right, cool. Page three fifty-eight. We've got another uh, collection of uh, quality British comics uh, coming at you from rebellions last two thousand A.D. This one is called Smash Special, um, with uh, written and drawn by various, including John McRae, Rob Williams, and Charlie Adler. Uh, there's a gorilla on the cover, but uh, unfortunately, it is ten ninety nine American dollars uh, for sixty four pages of content. Drat! Yes, drat is right. Mm. I,
0: I did find something else actually three fifty nine, and I and I would have forgotten this otherwise. Old buddy Dave Ryan, uh, Red oh. Red Anvil Inc. Let's uh, spring out Worldwide Warriors number one, uh, written by Dave Ryan, uh, art by Nildo Santiago. Tony Brandau on lettering and a cover by Alan Goldman. Uh, after Kento Kamakiri, owner of a cutting-edge technology company, loses his family in a battle between superbeings, he vows revenge and dons the facade of a, of a hero called Mantis. In order for him to exact his revenge, he manipulates and gathers a team of heroes together. There are no lengths Kento will not go to settle his score, and although his goals may remain unwavering, the journey and personal relationships that develop along the way may lead to his salvation. Cool mm. enough, cool enough premise, and, and it's Dave Ryan. So there we yeah. go.
2: Some of you listening may remember the War of the Independence, which was Dave Ryan's big project uh, maybe ten years ago, when he aggressively recruited as many different indie creators and their characters as possible to compete to participate in one big jam miniseries. And uh, this is uh, what Dave is doing now wishing him well with that
0: same here uh, on page
2: 362 a one-shot coming out through uh scout comics uh written and drawn by brian silverbacks loggerhead bloody bayou it's i, I do enjoy some uh, avenging swamp creature adventures and uh that's basically what loggerhead is it's a cross between tmnt and swamp thing from the looks of it it's, uh, <laughs> it's a it's a different kind of mutant turtle uh nice. who um Emerges from the bayou to uh, act as protector for uh, some children who are uh, in danger from uh, runaway uh, industrial resource harvesting. So there's there's an ecological message to it, but most importantly, there's a giant freaking turtle guy that uh, beats people up. <laughs> so
0: I'm I'm glad that you that you stopped on 362. By the way, because uh, Vlad Dracule by Andrea Moody. Hmm. A name that uh, that uh, that I am quite familiar with, and uh, mm-hmm. yes, I, I Chris see. will tell
2: you that uh, it was uh, Mooty who provided the art for uh, Rebels, uh, the, the the Revolutionary War series uh, from from Dark Horse a
0: little while ago. Indeed, yep. And uh, here we have uh, have Andrea Moody on writing and art, uh, and it's about uh, Vlad Dracul the Second, the Impaler, the Son of the Dragon. Who was a, a warlord, a warlord, a Vulvid, a guardian warrior, an iconic historical figure who was set, who was able to successfully strike fear into the hearts of the fearsome Ottoman Empire. So it looks like another step in the history for uh, for Andrea.
2: Yeah, quite a get for Scout Comics to be the one uh, publishing this.
0: Yep, definitely.
2: So yeah. I think I just uh, I think you've just convinced me and I will be uh, picking that up too.
0: <laughs> Excellent. And then uh 365. Uh, Storm Kids Hyperbreed. It's Wheezy! <laughs> She's back. <laughs> Louise Simonson, uh Guy Dorian and a cover by Walter Simonson. You had me at that, really. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the concept is uh, space opera involving space pirates, but yeah, it's it's the, the creators of the real story. Here. Oh, absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah. Any anything anything Louise puts her puts her hands on is bound to be good.
2: And Chris already uh, gave us the monthly tomorrow's report. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, something worth mentioning under Valiant, uh, on page uh, 379, we've got a new Shadow Man series uh, featuring Jack Boniface, everybody's favorite saxophone-playing hongan, uh, tackling the forces of uh, New Orleans voodoo, uh, written by Cullen Bunn, with art by John Davis Hunt.
0: Nice. Yeah. Cullen Bunn's a a good guy to get on that in any way, shape, or form. So. You betcha. Yep.
2: And also on page 382, uh, the six-issue Visitor miniseries written by Paul Levitz is coming to its conclusion.
0: Which means a trade should be forthcoming.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, one would think. Um, under Vault on page uh, 387, uh, I've just uh, recently uh, – I do watch a lot of Futurama reruns on the Siffy channel, and um, I've been seeing ads for an upcoming series called Vagrant Queen – on that channel, and uh, I don't think I realized, although I probably could have guessed, that it was uh, based on a comic book series. Oh wow! And it's uh, it's written by Mags Visaggio, one of your favorites, Ian. Yep. And it's uh, right; it's coming out through Vault on page three eighty-seven. You see this solicit for the fifth issue.
0: Very cool. I wonder if she came up with the concept first, and then it became a series, or or the other way around. Good question. Mm.
2: Yeah, it's a good chicken or the egg question. Yeah. Okay, and I believe that uh, exhausts what I had to say about uh, the uh, uh American single issue section yep. of uh, of this catalog. So, what do you got for Manga Ian?
0: I I am going to guess what you were going to talk about. Uh All right. Is it on page 398?
2: Uh well, let me turn to that page and see if it is the one that I had dog-eared. Yes, it
0: is. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> uh Go ahead, Wax wax Poetic.
2: Uh, Well, I I think I'll just uh, wax Merdonian if you don't mind. (laughs) By all means. Uh, All right, so the the title is Wonder 3. It is uh, one of the lesser-known publications of uh, Osamu Tezuka, known in Japan as the god of comics, one of the fathers of modern manga. Um, many of his uh, properties have been adapted into anime and film and other things. He created Astro Boy, as this uh, solicitation is careful to inform us. Uh, but this is Wonder 3, and it's the story of three super-powerful extraterrestrial beings who come to planet Earth to judge its fitness to be part of the galactic control. And uh, if it fails the test, it will be destroyed. And uh, these uh, super powerful aliens uh, uh, possess the bodies of three cutesy little cartoon animals, a horse, a duck and a bunny. And uh, they go around uh, from the point of view of these adorable animals, uh, analyzing humankind and their impact on their world and their fitness to be part of a wider universe. So there's going to be some commentary going on here, I'm sure, but it's going to be through the lens of uh, Tezuka's unmistakable style and his uh, affection for big-eyed, uh, funny animal characters. Mm-hmm. He was gr- very greatly inspired by Disney, after all. And uh, so this is a story of his that I'd never heard of. It looks like it's a self-contained story. It's not like a series or anything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I will uh, plop down uh, 29 dollars or whatever discount from that DCBS gives me, and I will I will try this.
0: Yeah. No, that 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 looks excellent and uh whenever i see something te- tezuka i didn't know about before uh i'm i'm glad to see it uh in, in 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 any form and the fact that it is just the one volume like that you get the whole story right there so enough said <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. righto yep
0: uh i am going to go to page 421 Uh, It's called Not Your Idol, out of Viz. Uh, It's uh, volume one, so you're getting in on the ground floor. Uh, In the wake of an assault, uh, Nina Kamayama, a former idol in the group Pure Club, shuns her femininity and starts dressing as a boy. At high school, she keeps to herself, but fellow student Hikaru Haruichi realizes who she is. What secrets is she keeping? The shocking drama starts a psychological mm. thriller uh, about a girl who gives up her life as an idol uh, after being assaulted by a fan.
2: Mm. Well, gives up her life as a woman, no less.
0: Exactly. Yeah, mm. very, very interesting premise, and I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where that one uh, is going to turn, and just, just how, just how much of a psychological thriller it is. So, the art and story is by Ao Makito on that one. Not your, not your idol, volume one. 421. And I will throw out one more, almost for the name alone. It's now a hit anime streaming on Crunchyroll, but I love this name so much. High school prodigies have it easy, even in another world. Volume one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Another one of those run-on titles that uh, (laughs) manga creators are so fond of.
0: Yep, that's called translation, my friend. That's called translation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep uh after crash landing in a foreign land filled with magic and monsters most people would wonder what to do next for seven of japan's greatest high school geniuses the real question is how much are they allowed to mess around (laughs) that sounds like what i would have done in high school
2: Yep. sounds like fan service will abound yep and the
0: all uh volumes one through six of the manga are already available uh, but uh, this is this is volume 1 out of yen and like i said the anime is also streaming on Crunchyroll if you feel like just watching it instead of reading it i think that is just about it from me what's say and
2: safe? I flipped through uh, the back of the book a couple of times. About the only thing that uh, really interested me was on page 91. Some lovely enamel pins featuring classic Sesame Street characters and even some Mr. Rogers Neighborhood characters. Nice.
0: <laughs> oh, I did find one final manga. 427. because uh, This is, this is, a, this is a, I think, also an anime, if I remember correctly. And it's a food mo- uh, manga. And you know I love talking oh. about those. Restaurant to Another World. Volume 1. It's an awesome premise. Somewhere in Tokyo, there is a certain special door. Most days, it stays closed and unmoving. Curiously, it opens up exactly once a week to welcome dwarves and dragons and elves who cannot wait for another chance to enjoy the inviting and comforting food of a restaurant from another world.
2: Huh. (laughs) You notice they're cross-promoting it with one of your favorites, Delicious in Dungeon.
0: Yes, indeed. Yep. And uh, restaurant to another world, I think, is a short form anime. If I remember correctly, that's on that's on Crunchyroll. And oh. I've been I've been wanting to I've been wanting to check out the uh, the manga, and and here is volume one for me to do so, on page four twenty seven. So oh. that is definitely happening. Whether I pick it up at a con or whether I I pre order it from somewhere, that is going to be a part of my collection.
2: Yeah, I can understand why they pair it up with delicious and dungeon here. I mean, it's they're, they're both. Involve both uh, Dungeons and Dragons style fantasy adventure and yep. cuisine. Yep one one is about going into a dungeon to uh, get the ingredients to cook, and the other is about inhabitants of dungeons coming to the human world to uh, eat in a restaurant.
0: <laughs> Reminds me slightly of the uh, of the bar that the mystical characters in the DC universe uh, like to like to go to uh, the 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 one that. Uh, in Willingham's series uh, of, uh, of characters. I know like uh, Oh, mean, right, Shadow Pact. Yeah, um, Shadow Pact. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I
2: think Tanerac was the proprietor of it uh, or was it Jim Rook that took over from Tanerac?
0: I think it started with Tanerac, but uh, but yeah, that the 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 door would move and uh, you know, you had to know where the door was in order, in order to, to actually enter the bar. So, cool times. And that ladies and gentlemen is a bolt shot.
2: All right. Listen to it clinking gently as it hits the ground.
0: <laughs> Excellent. And and as usual, a solid two and a half hours of action. <laughs> <laughs> we
2: are indeed wordy bitches.
0: We are, whether we like it or not. Yep. All right. You ready to speak some more words? Ready, Freddy. All right. Here we go.
2: Boom. If you would like to send us an email, our email address is comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. If you'd rather leave a voicemail, you can call 267-702-6642. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Comic ComicGeekSpeak. You can like us on Facebook. Also on Facebook, you can join the Comic Geek Speak super supergroup to engage in discussions with your fellow CGS listeners and fans. And uh, you can do the same thing at our uh, online forum at community.com Leave some feedback about this episode there and let us know what you're looking forward to from this month's catalog. We'd like to give special thanks to those of you who have donated monetarily to the show in the past. We really appreciate it. The show would not be what it is today without your... And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes one list at a time.